And we are on air for Fan for Racing's NASCAR Race Review. And tonight we're reviewing all of the races that took place this past weekend at Phoenix Raceway. So in our first half hour, we're going to review uh, the Arca Menard Series and the Arca West Race, all one race that took place at Phoenix Raceway on Friday. Uh, Points were given in both of those series in that race. And uh, we'll go over all of that. Uh, and it's going to be the only combination race for the Arkham and Art Series and the Arca West all season long. So it was pretty special. And what's really kind of cool for the Arca West is uh, just like uh, they're doing in um, uh, with the Cup Series and all the other series, uh, that raced at uh, Phoenix this weekend. The ARCA West is going to have their season finale at Phoenix uh, at the end of the season as well. So this is kind of a preview for them of that race. So we'll talk all about that uh, during that first half hour. Um, and then um, at 9 o'clock, um, we have our guest coming on board. That is Bill Lester. He's driving in the NASCAR Truck Series this weekend. Uh, he's returning back to NASCAR and the Truck Series uh, to race for David Gilliland Racing this weekend in their number 17 truck. So uh, really excited to see Bill Lester back on the track. I remember the days of him racing in NASCAR, and so it's kind of a blast from the past. Uh, joining me now is our co-host for tonight, uh, and that is Jay Huseman. Jay, welcome to the show. Thank you, Sharon. Uh, great to be here. And uh, I know uh, Sal is your normal host on uh, co-host on Monday nights. Our prayers are with him. Yeah. Uh, what triple triple hernia surgery? So he's still uh, doing good, but not ready to be back on the air yet. So our thoughts are with him, and uh, I'll fill in for him here tonight. Yes, I appreciate you being here, Jay, because, uh, and we do miss Sal. We hope he has a uh, speedy recovery and that he starts feeling better again soon. Uh, Unexpected things happen, and uh, uh, fortunately, we've got a good group here at Fan for Racing uh, that when the unexpected happens, we've got people who step up to the plate. And, Jay, uh, that was you uh, for tonight. We really appreciate it. And, Sal, we miss you, and uh, again, we're we're praying for a speedy recovery for you. Okay, Um, so yeah, during that second half hour, we'll talk to Bill Lester, uh, and uh, we will also, uh, I didn't really put this right on my uh, review thing here, but uh, after we talk to Bill Lester, we will give an update on the truck series. Uh, they did not race at Phoenix this past weekend, but they are racing next weekend at Atlanta Motor Speedway. So uh, we'll give kind of a, a mini preview, if you will, of uh, where they're standing right now in the truck series as we look forward to that race coming up this weekend. Uh, now, what I didn't say on my listing here is that we're going to give you a, uh, a quick update from the ARCA East in that first half hour, but we're also going to preview the um, ARCA Menard Series and the ARCA West Race at Phoenix. During the next half hour, that starts at 930 
we're going to get into the NASCAR Xfinity Series and the Cup Series race at Phoenix. We'll review both of those races. And then, of course, at 10 o'clock, that's our bewitching hour when the NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off begins. And uh, we will start talking about our hot hot topics at that hour. Now, um, joining us tonight, Jay, is not going to be our usual group. We're going to have Owen and Tommy joining us for Hot Topics tonight. So that's going to be fun. Well, they've both uh, experienced their first times here in the last couple of weeks, having both on together. Again, unfortunately, uh, schedules, uh, Andy and Mike, a new Mike was uh, said he's going to be out for probably a couple weeks again. Uh, but that's great that we have, like you said, such a great team. Uh, had a blast with, with both Owen and Tommy coming on here uh, to have the two together should be interesting. Yes, indeed. So uh, definitely looking forward to that. Uh, but let's go ahead and get started, uh, first of all, with the review of the ARCA East. Uh, Ty Gibbs won his very first. Xfinity Series race in NASCAR at the Daytona Road Course of all places, and then went on to win his first race in the ARCA this season uh, at Phoenix Raceway. So he's kind of on a roll right now with a lot of momentum, uh, and uh, uh, really, really proud of what he's accomplishing uh, this season as such a young driver. Well, we talked about, or, uh, yeah, we talked about this on the preview, and I know it's uh, listed it as one of the hot topics. Uh, most certainly, you look at a driver that is on top of his game and on fire right now. You can't look past Ty Gibbs, and I know we got to see him, or at least I did, uh, down at Five Flags uh, two years ago uh, with the Arca Menards East Series and talked to him. I believe he had a second place. That was one of his numerous second place finishes. Uh, now getting a lot of attention because they have become first place finishes. <laughs> yes. So uh, he's off to a really good start uh, in this series, and uh, as well as his Xfinity Series ride. Uh, and I, again, we're going to talk about it in Hot Topics as well, but uh, congratulations, of course, to Kai Ty Gibbs. Uh, there were two challengers uh, uh, in Ty Gibbs' way uh, this weekend. One was the weather, uh, because sprinkles kind of started at the beginning of the race, but uh, that quickly subsided. And uh, I mean, at the end of the race, and it quickly subsided, and he was able to finish that event. Uh, the other was Corey Heim, the winner at Daytona. Uh, was the other challenger. So both of them had really good races. Uh, Corey Heim, I believe, finished second in that event. Yes. He did, he did and that's what we like to see. Uh, we're already seeing, and both of them uh, listed as rookies in the series, uh, a preview of the championship battle. Uh, you know, it starts early on. I know sometimes you get off to a slow start. In this case, these two are off to a fast, hot start. So, Uh, To see him going door-to-door on the track each and every week uh, already is what we like to see because that just leads to the finale of the the championship. Yeah, it was a full field on the uh, little track, uh, the one-mile track at Phoenix. There were 30 cars entered for the race. Uh, a big crash at the beginning of the race took out several people. I know Tony Breidinger, Jack Wood, Zane Smith, uh, and Gracie Trotter, uh, were out as of lap, lap one. They didn't get very far in the race. 
Uh, and that was such a shame because I was really looking forward to all of those drivers. Uh, I was glad to see Zane Smith in the car uh, there in the race and uh, really so disappointed uh, when when he was taken out on that first lap. You, you always hate to see that because, again, that's, that leaves that question of what if uh, you, you look at there are several of what we feel we're going to be contenders for at least battling with these two uh, for that win. But then on the reverse side, you see the opportunity that others then capitalize on. You hate to see misfortune, but with that comes fortune. Some of these other drivers that that had their shot at it uh, really stepped up to the plate. They they really did. Uh, I'm going to talk about the drivers that didn't make it uh, real quick here. Uh, Brad Smith had a differential problem. He went out in lap 15. Uh, Bryce Hogeberg uh, had a crash on lap 32 that took him out of the race. Uh, Bobby Hillis Jr., lap 53, he had a handling issue that took him out to Kumakoga. Lap 93 went out with a crash. And then also Nick Sanchez uh, was having such a good race, uh, running second, uh, and looked like he was really going to have a good uh, event, uh, ended up in a crash on lap 120 and uh, ended up out of the race. So uh, it was really sad to see that for Nick Sanchez as well. So going with the drivers to round out the top five, though, uh, we already know about Ty Gibbs and Corey Heim. Third place was Dad Moffat in the number 46, Kyle Sieg in the number 28 and fourth, and Derek Krause uh, proved that he does know how to drive a car. Uh, he's had a rough start in the truck series, but came home with that top five finish in the Arkham Menard series, uh, finishing in fifth in the 19 uh, Bill McAnally race car. And there's where I'm talking about Bad Moffat and Kyle Sieg. We know they got talent. Sieg, another one listed as a rookie for the top five uh, rookies. But Bad Moffat having a great run, uh, again, continuing to show his talent. And then you mentioned Derek Krause returning uh, to Bill McAnally, which we know is a strong team. Uh, when you go through mm-hmm. what uh, he's going through in the truck series, and, and we've seen several that go through this, that struggling a little bit, whether it be of their own doing or, again, the tracks we've been to involved in incidences not of your own doing, parts failures, you know, it, it kind of puts that, that question in your head. Uh, to be able to go back and, and run and get a top five, a good race like that, that's got to carry back over to the truck series. So I was glad to see that for Derek Krause. Yeah, it's got to be a confidence builder for him. Uh, Jesse Love, last year's uh, ARCA West champion, finished in sixth place. Drew Dollar finished seventh. Todd Souza in eighth. Taylor Gray in ninth. Trevor Huddleston rounds out the top ten uh, in this grouping. So uh, it, it's really cool to see that happen uh, in this series. Uh, just to kind of put that in perspective, uh, I want to put it in perspective for the West because um, I, I think they've got the – uh, race results uh, broken down here. That was the what, what I just read to you was the overall race results. Uh, but if I look at the West uh, series here and the race results for just the West, uh, nope, they don't have it broken down. 
So these guys are going to get points, but let's let's look at the uh, standings uh, for the West because uh, this is the Arkham Menard series standings. Okay, the Arkham that's, Menard that's series not standings. Separate. Yeah, that's okay, not going to separate it out, but I thought maybe if I go to the West standings, it might separate it. No, that's that's where I'm doesn't. at. Uh... Yeah, because, again, they still did receive the West Points, Ty Gibbs, Corey Heim, Thad Moffat, I know for sure, at the top. Uh, Kyle Sega, I believe, is running the full Arkham Menard series. I don't think he's just doing West, correct? I'm not sure. I think he's doing okay. the full season. I, so that should put, you mentioned Jesse Love, that should put him at the top of the West series as they separate a little bit and then Todd Souza in eighth, and Trevor Huddleston in tenth. Those should be your top three as far as the Arkham Menards West. Uh, that is not official. That is just going by what I know of uh, the individual schedules. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's really tough. We'll know better after this next race in the West. Uh, but, yeah, uh, Ty Gibbs definitely at the top of the list. Uh, for the ARCA series, uh, Corey Heim is six points behind him. Thad Moffat now is just seven points. Uh, this is after just one race. Let me go back to the one. Let me go back to the two races. Okay, Corey Heim is at the top of the points list for the ARCA series. And three points behind Corey Heim is Ty Gibbs. Uh, then you go to uh, Drew Dollar, nine points back. Kyle Sieg is 12 points back, and Thad Moffat, to round out the top five there, is 26 points back from the lead. And that's where I say I think that Kyle Sieg and Thad Moffat both do in the main Arkham Menard series, so we'll see the West mm-hmm. uh, sort itself out here, as you mentioned, as they start the, their, the rest of their season. You know, And we talked about this on the preview, that, that double or doubleheader as the West opener – uh, maybe a little bit disheartening, but we saw several in the top ten. And, again, when you run against the best, you know, even if you're finishing second to them, you know you're at the top of your game. You know, you just need to take that next little step. So you got to take the positive out of it. And there, there were three or four there. And, unfortunately, you mentioned there's a couple that can't. got to take the positive how they ran, not how they finished. Correct. Correct, because uh, the next uh, next time they race, we'll have a better understanding of exactly how all of that plays out for the ARCA West. Uh, but uh, right now, it's kind of difficult to kind of sort all that out. I will tell you that the next race for the ARCA West, it, we're going to have to wait for it, because that next race doesn't happen until June the 5th at Sonoma Raceway. So we're going to have a long wait there. Uh, but it was good to see those guys racing with the Arkham Menard Series at Phoenix. The next race, though, for the Arkham Menard Series uh, is actually going to be Saturday, April the 24th. So next month, they're going to be racing at Talladega Super Speedway in the Arkham Menard Series. So that's going to be interesting because Corey Heim, who won that Daytona race, you got to wonder if he isn't one of the favorites going into that event at Talladega. Certainly does put him at the top of the list, uh, you would have to think. But, again, with what we've seen so far with Ty Gibbs, and he's going to be running a lot of other things between now and then and just gaining more and more experience, uh, I think we're going to see the two of them at the top of the list as well. 
And the cool thing about that, we talk about it, any super speedway race, uh, it's an open ball game. So I shouldn't have called it a ball game, huh? We're talking racing. But, uh, <laughs> you know, that, that opportunity, you like to call them opportunity races because there it is a high probability something's going to happen and things can really be shaken up. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Uh, let me see if they've got it broken down here uh, as far as who's in the top ten in each of the series. And I don't see that. Okay. I was hoping to see if we I, I could break you, down I, I know you'd really, arc or Yeah, I know you'd really like to have them do that, but I, I didn't find anywhere where they did either. So I <laughs> Really trying hard to find something here. Um, but, yeah, it, it really was a fun race to watch. I did watch it on uh, NBC's Track Pass. Uh, and uh, actually, I watched it on MAV TV. Uh, and it was a really good race. And uh, if you haven't already watched it, I would really encourage everybody to set your DVR for this um, for this race. Let me see. Oh, they don't have NBC coverage this time. That's too bad. Uh, so the only time to watch it was on Mad TV. Um, if you can watch a replay on Mad TV, I would encourage you to watch it because it was a very, very good race, and they did a good job of uh, covering that race. Uh, Austin Cindric, by the way, was in the booth, so that was kind of fun too to have Austin Cindric's perspective from the booth. Most certainly, uh, again, we've talked about that as a different driver schedule lineup that they have. MAV TV being incorporated with that, with the Arca Menard series, I think is great uh, on multiple levels. The insight it gives to fans, as well as seeing these drivers that, again, as they move from a series up a level or to the next series, still being involved and knowing where they came from, the, you know, their roots and that next opportunity for the next drivers. So I'm sure there were a lot of drivers there that wanted to talk to Austin, you know, pick his brain and, and learn from him. And that's what part of what they go back to, to these series for. Yes, indeed. It, it definitely is. And um, I want to encourage people uh, to head over to ArcaRacing.com. They do such a great job of the different articles that they post there. Uh, as well as videos, there's some videos. Uh, again, if you don't, if you, you couldn't watch it on Mav TV, uh, they have videos of different portions of the race that you can watch uh, to see kind of how that race played out a little bit. Uh, they have some great articles. There's a new look for the Sioux Chief Showdown this season, so that's up there as well. Uh, and then also a couple articles about uh, uh, Jesse Love at uh, Bill McAnally Racing, uh, the two drivers that are racing at uh, Brumcotti Racing this season, uh, being Cole Moore and Trevor, Huddle Trevor Huddleston. Wait a second. I might have that wrong. I think it's Cole Moore. <laughs> Cole might be a Bill McAnally. As I said, that isn't the one I had pulled up. You mentioned the one uh, that I think you, you want to take a peek at is, is the Sioux Chief Showdown with the new look for 2021. Uh, again, it's a relatively new program, but I really like the direction that the Arkham and Ard Series and NASCAR is going with that and the opportunity that, that, that those races provide. Okay, yeah. Cole Moore is actually 
uh, in the number 99 car at Bill McAnally Racing. It's Jake Drew who is driving the number nine car at Bob Lincati Racing this season. So I wanted to make sure I clarified that. As soon as I said it, I knew it wasn't right. Well, and again, as we get into further down the road, and I know when you said wait for it, it's like that's not a punchline, uh, you know, where you're going to get a, a, an answer here shortly. Uh, I know with the, especially in the past two years, the COVID protocol and the scheduling that, that NASCAR is having to go through with the Arkham Menard Series, especially there in the West, I know Sal talks about this, is still a little bit hectic and has to be worked out, but... Uh, that we got to wait, you know, a month, a month and a plus for, to see them again. But uh, like I said, I know they're getting in some other races in different areas, whether it be with fans or partial fans, and that just means it'll be a better product in racing when we do get to see them again. Yes, indeed. Now, the Arkham Menard Series East, they have two races in under their belt. Their next race isn't until May the 8th, uh, so we're going to have to do some waiting there as well. Uh, I'm sorry, yeah, May the 8th at Nashville Fairgrounds. Uh, but Sammy Smith, after two races, is at the top of the leaderboard uh, for the Arkham Art Series East. He And eight points behind him is Taylor Gray. Nine points is Max Gutierrez. And by the way, uh, Max Gutierrez, who won at Five Flight Speedway, um, is going to be nope. at... Um, on our show this coming Monday. So definitely looking forward to talking to Max Gutierrez. Did he win at Five Flags or did he win at... Uh, he he won New Smyrna. Remember, he, he won the three wide New, New Smyrna. Smyrna. That's what I was Sammy thinking. Smith is one. Yeah. Sammy Smith is one yep. that picked up the most recent win there at Pensacola. Yeah. Okay. Another time when I caught myself. Okay. So yeah, yeah. Max Gutierrez won at New Smyrna Speedway. Then it was Sammy Smith winning at Five Flags. Uh, Mason Diaz is in the fourth place, and Joey East rounds out the top five in this series, and Joey is just 15 points back from the leader. And there's a, there's three more. I know there are only two races in, but all the way even through 10th place is only a 30-point gap. Uh, you mentioned the fifth place, Joey East, at 15th. Daniel Dye, who has been on the show, and I believe we have scheduled again, hopefully, and I know he was running a late model race here in southern Alabama, the Rattler, uh, mm-hmm. this past week, and I had not seen results from that. I wanted to take a peek and see how he did down there. Um, but they're only 19 points back. And then Raja Karuth, another guest we had on last week, at minus 20 after just the two races. So, again, a lot to be settled there uh, without a doubt. And I think we're going to see several different winners within that group. I know Sammy Smith has looked strong in both races as well as Matt Goodyear's, but Taylor Gray right in the middle with two top five finishes. Mm-hmm. That's true. You mentioned Daniel Dye. He's, been, he's sixth in the points. Parker Retzlaff uh, from the Midwest here, uh, Wisconsin, he finished in seventh place. Uh, Roger Caruso, that you mentioned, is uh, in eighth place in the points. Richard Garvey is ninth, and Carson Quapple is in 10th place. And as you mentioned, he's 30 points back from the top with just two races in. So a lot to be settled yet in this Arkham Art Series East. Uh, and I'm looking forward to Nashville Fairgrounds uh, for these guys, uh, or Nashville uh, uh, Fairgrounds Speedway. 
uh, coming up on May the 8th for these guys uh, to be on the track again. Most certainly. And we have seen, as you mentioned, Taylor Gray. We're going to see some of these drivers scattered throughout some of the other series. Uh, if, if you follow any kind of asphalt late model racing, whether it be on the east, the west, or in the Midwest. I know the Midwest hasn't quite started up yet. Uh, here in the south, we can get started a little bit earlier. But you see these names popping up elsewhere. Uh, so if you get the chance to visit a track near you, you'll see some of these names uh, in, in the late models. Yes. Yes, so, yeah, definitely keep your eyes open. Uh, these guys are on social media, a lot of them, so you want to follow them on social media to see what they're doing uh, at some of these other late model races that they're involved in while they're waiting for the next darker race. Uh, I know when we talked uh, last week to Raja about that long wait, uh, he's racing the weekly touring series, the Advanced Auto Parts weekly touring series, uh, to keep him busy in between. But he said uh, he's anxious for that next race, and it is a hard wait on these drivers uh, before their next event. But uh, uh, they're going to be definitely ready to be back on the track for the Arkham Art Series and all these other series uh, when their time comes. Uh, again, the Arkham Art Series, uh, we will be racing next on April the 24th at Talladega, uh, the Arca East, uh, May the 8th, and Nashville Fairground Speedway, and the ARCA West on Saturday, June the 5th, in the ARCA West at Sonoma Raceway. So, uh, a lot uh, a lot to wait for, but a lot to look forward to as well. Um, I want to take a couple minutes here to talk about our next guest that's coming up, uh, Jay. We've got Bill Lester coming on board at 9 o'clock. And uh, there's a couple of things that we're going to be talking to him about. One is that he recently uh, wrote a book, uh, and it is called Winning in Reverse. Uh, And then the tagline with that is Define the Odds in Achieving Dreams. And uh, I I got a chance to read that book, and I'm really impressed with it. I I thoroughly enjoyed uh, the book. And uh, I'm really looking forward to uh, kind of chatting with him about it. Uh, I've got an article up at fanforacing.com, and we have a link to that book at amazon.com. If you'd like to get the book, you can get it there. And uh, I would really encourage everybody to read it because no matter what you're doing in life, I think that Bill Lester gives some really good advice. Uh, to people on how you can be successful in this sport and and defy the odds uh, and even the tough times when they happen, uh, how you can get through some of that. And he talks about some of the mentorship and and, uh, that that he's had throughout his career. And uh, I really, really enjoyed the book and and related to some of the things that he talked about. Um, But he's also, and this is, I'm kind of excited about this, Jay. He's also going to be in the truck series race this week at Atlanta Motor Speedway. And uh, he's going to be racing the number 17 with David Gilliland racing. So really happy to see that happening. I most certainly am as well. I know you called it a, a blast from the past. What, what I like, and, and I know that everybody takes uh, a different path in their life, 
but to see a driver like that that is still interested and involved in, in racing at some level, uh, no matter what it be, and for this opportunity, and we'll talk to him about that, of how this opportunity came about, and hearing rumors that it might lead to more, you know, that's always the case of uh, what it might lead to in the future as well. So we'll talk to him about that as well. Exactly. Uh, and, uh, you know, these guys are very competitive <laughs> in this uh, truck series. Uh, and and that's what you expect, I guess, from drivers coming into the sport. But I think it's a lot different uh, than what it was when he was racing uh, earlier in the series, in the early 2000s and so forth. Um, uh, and I want to talk to him about some of the things that he's noticed that are very different from what it was when he was racing. Uh, because I, I, although there are some similarities, I think there's probably some differences as well, Jay. I, I most certainly think so, and I, and I hope that uh, I'm sure you're already got your wheels spinning, as I know mine always are, to to get an interview with him again down the road of after the race of being deeply in the garage for the race weekend. I mean, heck, it's it's different in the past two years with the COVID protocol. So you're talking about changes within two years, let let alone since the last <laughs> time he drove. Um, yeah. To get a follow, get a follow up of the after. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll we'll ask him of what he sees, even just being an observer or a ambassador still for the sport. Uh, what he sees, but then to get a follow up of of after being in the race and, and how that goes. Uh, not just performance on the track, but like you said, uh, of the evolution and changes within the sport and what he sees on that. Yes, yes. Um, uh, definitely uh, anxious to kind of talk to him about some of that, and as, as well as his book, uh, because uh, I'm really glad that he took, his, took the time to write this book. Uh, I think it's very timely. But uh, like I said, number one, I'm impressed with, with what he wrote in the book, I got to know who Bill Lester is uh, as a person. Uh, he talks about, you know, from when he first uh, uh, caught the bug for racing and how his interest developed into the racing. I don't want to take too much of his thunder, but um, uh, just suffice it to say, you really get to know who Bill Lester is and how he how he got into racing. Uh, what his passion for racing is and uh, uh, how he kind of deals uh, with the ups and downs of racing. So uh, I think one of the uh, enlightening things for me is just how hard it is to be successful within this sport. Uh, And uh, I'm, I'm, again, definitely looking forward. He's here, so I'm going to bring him into the queue now uh, first of all, uh, Bill Lester, welcome to our show. We're so happy uh, that you're taking the time to be here with us tonight, and uh, we're looking forward to chatting with you. So thank you for being here. Well, it's my pleasure to join you this evening. How are you guys doing? We're doing pretty good, pretty good. I uh, did get a chance to read your book, and I've got to tell you, I'm very impressed with it. I really enjoyed it and uh, would recommend it to everybody uh, to take some time to read what it is you have to say there because I think your messages inside your book are very, very important. Why, thank you. I appreciate that. I guess uh, I owe you $5 or something. 
Well, that that's a, that's a sincere uh, endorsement of your book. I will say that, um, and and uh, you know, it struck me as I was reading it that it doesn't really matter if it's racing that is your passion or if it's something else. Uh, there's a lot of lessons that you've learned along the way that you share uh, that I think are important for everybody, regardless of what their passion is. Uh, to help them succeed. Yeah, I agree. You know, um, when I wrote this, I didn't want it to be like an autobiography or anything of that nature, which a lot of people thought, you know, maybe that was my intent. But no, it was really uh, just a motivational memoir with a racing backdrop. And I feel that uh, the lessons I've learned and that I've been um, hopeful to impart on folks are applicable across the spectrum. You know, no matter what it is that you want to do in life or what you're striving to do or, you know, uh, what you aspire to do, there are things that I think are keys to being successful, no matter how you define success. Of course, it's up to each individual as to how they define success. But, to you know, to do something where you, you feel that you're making a difference, that you're fulfilled, that you're living the life that you believe you're supposed to be living, there's certain things I believe that everybody can do to, you know, help them achieve that dream. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, you say it's not an autobiography, but I did feel as I read the book that I got to know who Bill Lester is. I got to know a little bit more about you and and how you approach your racing, how you dealt with the ups and downs. Uh, I thought it was very revealing about who you are as a person as well. Why, thank you. No, I don't feel that I have a, a significant enough life to really justify an autobiography per se. You know, I just haven't, you know, held presidential office. I haven't cured cancer or anything like that. But, you know, I have <laughs> lived a, uh, you know, what I consider to be a successful life. I've I've done what it is that I've wanted to do. I've lived my dream, and, and that's really what it's about. And, um, you know, I'm just hoping that that inspires folks, no matter what it is they're doing, to live their best life, you know, no matter at what point in life you are you know when i was finally successful i was 40 years old you know most people would have thought i was successful when i was in my 20s when i had a you know a high paying high tech job which was you know successful by everybody else's definition but my own i just wasn't happy so i didn't consider myself successful but uh, when i was actually able to race full time and then on the nascar series being a professional race car driver that's when I considered myself successful, and it just took a long time. But, you know, I got there. I never gave up. I, you know, had passion, and, um, you know, I stuck to my guns. I didn't take no for an answer, and I believed in myself. And, um, you know, with those qualities, you know, if people have that, if they believe in what they are doing and where they're going, they can achieve whatever it is they put their mind to. And and that is so true. Uh, and I have to admit, uh, I was not aware that you had also raced – and uh, the Rolex uh, Trans Am series. Uh, so that was really fun for me to read as well, uh, your experience in that series and racing with Jordan Taylor. And, uh, I mean, it, there was just a lot of really good insight that you offered in there. <laughs> well, no, I've been very fortunate to race with a bunch of really high-quality drivers. You mentioned Jordan, and he is a phenomenal talent. Um, but, you know, I've also raced with uh, Ryan Dial as a teammate and Darren Manning, you know, former IndyCar drivers, you know, a bunch of other guys that are just very, very sharp. They're very talented, very blessed. And I've been able to, you know, run with them. And, you know, so I guess 
I'm not chopped liver, <laughs> but I mean, I just, again, you know, never raced at the IndyCar level. So, you know, you just never know kind of how you, you know, you stack up and everything and you learn things from them just like they learn from you. And, you know, it's just uh, a really cool experience that I've had because, um, you know, most of these guys, when they're racing, they're racing in their 20s and their 30s. And by the time they're 40, they're pretty much done. That's it. They're calling it a career. And for me, you know, it's winning in reverse because I did everything opposite. You know, I started my career in my 40s effectively and raced uh, competitively as a professional till I was 50. And the last type of racing I did was in karting, which is, uh, for the most part, the foundation by which most professional race car drivers start. You know, they start out in karting or quarter midgets or some small, you know, form of uh, racing car which I didn't get the opportunity to do. You know, I was fortunate enough that my father took me to a race and exposed me to racing at a very young age, and that set the hook. But I wasn't able to, you know, really do what it is I wanted to do until much later in life. Yes, and but you made it happen. And like you say, everybody's uh, identifying with what success is, is uh, different. Sometimes it's not always uh being at the front, it's what you're accomplishing along the way, and, and you've accomplished a lot. Um, and and uh, you mentioned you raced until you were 50, but you're going to be racing this weekend at Atlanta Quarter <laughs> Speedway. Uh, and I, I said it's like a blast from the past. I remember watching you race in the 2000s uh, in the truck series and, and within NASCAR and so it's going to be fun to see you back out on the track. Well, it's going to be wild. You know, I'm not even sure what to expect. It's going to be a situation where I'm 14 years out of being behind the wheel of a stock car. So my last NASCAR event was a truck series race in 2007. So this is going to be very interesting. Um, I'm doing exactly what I preach, which is getting out of your comfort zone. That's one of the things that's, you know, yeah. a key to my being successful. So I'm absolutely getting out of my comfort zone. I mean, I could very easily continue to, you know, be just an author and, you know, a speaker and, and that sort of thing. But the opportunities have presented themselves. And, you know, I wanted to use this race as a uh, opportunity to help promote my memoir as well. Um, and here it's right in my backyard at Atlanta Motor Speedway, a place that uh, I have fond memories of. It was a place that I uh, made my um, cup debut in 2006 and, you know, that was pretty much the, I'd say, probably one of my greatest accomplishments in racing was just making it into the show in a car that a lot of people said had no business actually qualifying in because it wasn't a factory-prepared <laughs> car. It was an independent car out of Bill Davis Racing, and, you know, bless his heart that um, he and his organization put their resources behind me and believed in me, and waste management came to uh, my aid as well, supporting the program, and I was able to be, you know, one of a very – few number of black drivers to uh, race at the cup level. So I'm, I'm very proud of that accomplishment. It wasn't a situation like it is today in NASCAR where pretty much if you show up, you're in, you know, because there just aren't really that many, uh, you know, full fields. Usually, you know, the big races at Daytona is full. Uh, maybe at the Brickyard it's full, but, you know, during the season it often trails off because it's just so expensive and people don't realize just how much it costs to go racing. But, you know, it continues to escalate. And, um, you know, with the way the economy is, it's very hard for corporate America to uh, justify the spend. So there are less cars showing up for the events. But um, back when I was mm -hmm. doing it in 2006, I mean, I think we sent nine cars yeah. home. You know, we were go or go homers in terms of if you didn't qualify in, you weren't racing. And so, yeah, I sent a whole bunch of cars home and 
qualified in the top 20. I think qualified 19th that day or that evening. And, uh, you know, in front of a whole bunch of guys that have been, you know, in the, on the circuit for years and been very successful, former champions and stuff like that. So uh, I was really proud of that effort. And, uh, you know, again, just is a feather in my cap. And it was a justification of, you know, the hard work, the, the sacrifice, the, yeah. you know, all the obstacles I had to overcome to, to get there and to uh, finally, you know, achieve it was something I'll never forget. Well, and and uh, it, it's very it's a very compelling story. Uh, now I could keep talking to you, but uh, I'm going to let my co-host uh, jump in here with a few questions. Uh, Jay Huseman is with us, and I know he has some questions for you as well uh, about racing this weekend. So, Jay, sure, absolutely. All right, thanks, Sharon. Uh, first thing I got to say, uh, you know, as, as Sharon said, longtime race fan to see you back in a, in a NASCAR race uh, is just great. So I want to wish you all the best at Atlanta this weekend, first off. Well, thank you very much. I'm glad you're not, you know, trying to talk me out of it because I'm, I'm in. I'm hook, line, and sinker. <laughs> no, absolutely not. And I'm with you. Uh, that, my questions kind of pertain to that. You get into racing, it's because it's your passion. I know at that point a person doesn't really look at what they're doing as far as being a trailblazer or an ambassador, you know, you're taking that time now to look back on it and use that as motivational in- inspiration. Um, what is it at the time, though, that you think back or maybe you could have done differently then as far as that? Because I know the media puts it on you, but you're like, hey, I'm here to race. I'm not here to be a poster boy for anything. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, you know, some of the things that I've accomplished, for the most part, the majority of the things that I've accomplished um, in terms of my uniqueness is brought to my attention. You know, these are not things that I, you know, uh, you know, started out um, trying to do, uh, you know, for that reason. Um, I would come to find out, like, when I was the first black driver to uh, set a pole position at Charlotte in 2003 in the truck series, you know, people, uh, some media folks came up and said, do you know you're the first black driver? I'm like, oh, really? (laughs) You know, I mean, I had no idea. (laughs) I'm out there just trying to, you know, drive as fast as I can and beat these other guys, you know, at their own game, you know, but uh, if some of these accolades come along, that's wonderful. But uh, no, I mean, um, I said it way back when, 20 years ago, you know, I want to, you know, just be considered um, a race car driver, you know, not a black race car driver, you know, or just a race car driver who happens to be black, you know, one of those type of descriptions, because, you know, they're always, I always used to be asked, like well what's it like to be you know a black race car driver that's and i'm like well i don't know i I know no other way i've always been black so you know i don't know what it's like not to be a black race car driver but um you know the fact is that i did it because i love the sport plain and simple bar none period you know so all these things that uh, were brought to my attention that i you know might have set a record at or might have accomplished i mean that's great and now as you said i have more time to look back on my career you know, I look back at some of these accomplishments very fondly, but during the time, I mean, I was just hustling. I mean, I was just trying to, you know, be a better race car driver, perfect my craft, you know, um, be more skilled, you know, just learn more tricks of the trade, you know, whatever it is, pick people's brains, talk to folks, um, try different things. I mean, it, it just wasn't trying to set, you know, diversity type records, you know, I mean, that sort of thing, sure, is, is something that I think the uh, the media tends to pride themselves on in terms of being able to uncover certain aspects like that. But for me, it was never that, you know, for me, it was just, I loved racing. I love speed. I love competition. For me to be a race car driver was the logical conclusion. 
Well, and I, I know Sharon touched on it with the with the book. I mean, it is about you and racing, but how it applies across the board. And, and I can compare it to myself a little bit of being military. I've gone to other countries and even different states within the U.S. I came from Minnesota. I'm down in Mississippi now. So that change of just being an outsider, I mean, and I mean that in a negative way, but there is differences, you know, uh, of working your way into that and what you talk about your book, in your book of how that applies across the board, like you said, whether it be racing, business, uh, within the church, anything personal that you're doing and how that all applies you know, aside outside of just racing. Yeah, no question. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, we're all just people. We're all human beings. And, you know, you hope that people treat you, you know, the way that you treat them and, you know, with, with, pro, with uh, you know, um, not with pride, but with respect. And, um, you know, when I moved from Northern California to come to the Southeast to race in NASCAR, it was like, a, you know, a cultural, you know, shock for me. As well as it was for you know those in the NASCAR industry that you know they were not very familiar with somebody like me coming from Northern California with a road racing background, never grew up on dirt and all that sort of thing. I mean, I remember when they referred to me as Yankee, and I was like Yankee. I'm like, are you kidding me? I mean, <laughs> this is not the Civil War. So I thought that was really unusual. But be that as it may, there were huge cultural differences between you know the Bay Area. And the Silicon Valley environment, which was very laid back and casual and freewheeling, kind of like, you know, I think people have a vision of what it was like in Berkeley in in the, uh, like, the 60s and all that kind of stuff, just freewheeling, you know. So that's kind of how it was really coming from the West Coast. Everybody in the Southeast, for the most part, had the impression that California was – all about like LA and Baywatch. They said, well, what's it like being on the beach and all that kind of stuff? I'm like, what? No, <laughs> that's a very small area in Southern California where you're talking about where Baywatch is. I'm, I'm from Northern California, you know, and yeah, there's the Santa Cruz area where there's water and the beach and all that sort of thing, but it's cold. You know, we're out there in wetsuits if we're out there in the water, you know, we're not running around and um, you know, bikinis and, and, and you know, uh, board shorts. No, it's cold. So, they have this interesting impression just based on what they see on television. And I guess I can understand that. And from my perspective, you know, it's somewhat intimidating coming to the Southeast, of course, because when I looked at NASCAR and I was very young, I saw it on ABC's Wide World of Sports, and I saw a bunch of Confederate flags, you know, just blowing proudly in the breeze. And I saw and heard, for the most part, folks that didn't look like me and definitely didn't sound like me, and I couldn't have hardly understand what the southern accent was about. I had a hard time, you know, just really making out what a lot of people were saying, and so it was it was really a cultural awakening for all of us, you know, just understanding where people are coming from and, and having an appreciation for their experiences and treating them with respect, and you know, at the end of the day, realizing that as a race team, for example, we're all going to be successful if we're all pulling in the right direction and supporting each other. That's all there is to it. You know, I rely on my crew heavily to make sure that my truck is nutted and bolted together and everything's put on the way it's supposed to. I don't need any tires flying off at 180 miles an hour as I'm going through turn three. You know, and by the same token, they're they're expecting that I'm a professional. I'm a professional race car driver getting paid to go out there and race and, and represent them, their sponsors, and, you know, the manufacturers and everybody to the best of my ability. So, it was, you know, very interesting just trying to bring a t- 
team together and a, a synergy, and a, you know we accomplished all that sort of stuff. And I'm proud of it. I'm proud that I've you know been able to open some eyes and raise some eyebrows for folks that you know probably would not have been all that comfortable being around somebody like me otherwise. And by the same token, I have much more of an appreciation for the Southern way of life. Well, I, I would have to agree with you there. Uh, yeah, and, uh, I can one-up you with the whole use of the term Yankee. Obviously, being from Minnesota, you know, I get compared to Canadians. I'm like, no, I'm still from this country. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one quick, last quick question, and I get the feeling the answer is going to be quick because you probably can't say anything if it is, but I know they're talking about Atlanta being a one-race deal. Is there more to it than that, or is it you wait and see what happens from it? Well, I'll tell you, when I spoke to my wife about it, and you know, and I said, listen, this is, you know, just to find out what it's going to be like and to, you know, help promote the book, give it a little bit more exposure and some more legs and bring it to people's consciousness. It's like I'm really just setting out to do one race. I felt that it was convenient being here in Atlanta, which is where I am, and in my own backyard. And, uh, you know, I think the community is very much, you know, embracing the fact that I'm coming back and, um, this is home for me, so we only talked about one race. It's been really interesting how folks have taken this one race and run with it. You know, they're like, okay, so <laughs> I'm hoping this is a multi-race deal and blah blah blah. And I'm like, well, you know, I don't know because I don't know what to expect yet. You know, again, it's been 14 years since I've <laughs> run around Atlanta Motor Speedway, and I don't know what the uh, competition's like. It's going to be new. Uh, these are all competitors I haven't competed against, uh, you know, except for one or two. Um, but, yeah, I mean, am I going to be comfortable? Am I going to enjoy it like I believe I will, like I always have in the past? I don't know. Those questions will be answered, and based on that, we'll see what the future holds. But uh, I'm not looking beyond this one race at this time. All right. Well, thank you. Like I said, I didn't know if there was anything. I was one of those. I hope to see it. But again, I know everybody's got their own path laid before them. So uh, I'm going to turn it back over to Sharon for the final follow-up tonight. And hopefully we do get to talk to you again in the future. It has been great. Thank you very much. I've enjoyed it. Okay. A lot of people don't know that uh, you have a degree in engineering from uh, California, Berkeley, and uh, that your family uh, is very educated as well. Yeah, no question. I um, have an electrical engineering and computer science degree from Cal and went right into the tech sector working for Hewlett Packard. But the reason I went into engineering is because I have great role models and, you know, my parents. Um, my father is a Ph.D. in theoretical chemistry, and he does something called wow. quantum Monte Carlo, which is the study of the collisions between atoms and molecules. So he's a heavyweight. He doesn't, you know, when he's working, he doesn't talk in the English language. He talks in the Greek alphabet because all of his um, language is computing, and he uses computers to predict the results of the collisions between atoms and molecules, things you can't even see. So it's all predictive analysis and such. So when he would turn me on to, you know, um, take going into the office with him on weekends, and I would see the computers that he was working with that took up basically a whole basement of an office building back then, I was mesmerized by the tech. You know, I saw the lights flashing and the tape spinning and all that sort of thing, and I was like, wow, this technology is pretty cool. Caught my interest, and, you know, as I saw the high-tech, um, you know, sector boom, I figured that if I got an engineering degree, I could write a ticket. So I used my engineering degree as a means to an end. I used it as a tool to get 
myself an occupation that would pay enough for me to go racing. I didn't have a passion for engineering. I had used it as part of my toolbox so that I could go racing, and yeah. I'm glad I did. I don't uh, have any ill will for anybody who has you know, a passion for engineering because it is a wonderful occupation. You know, Engineering is what we need more of in this country so that we can solve a lot of our problems. But for me, that wasn't my calling. I felt I was given a gift to handle cars at speed. And so it was up to me to live that dream and to pursue that passion and, and make that dream a reality. Because, you know, if you're given a gift, it, it would be a shame to squander it and not to pursue it to its nth degree. And so that's what I did. Well, and, and I think you did it well. Um, I was wondering, though, I know you're going to be racing. You said you don't really know what to expect. Have you watched any of the NASCAR truck races? Recently? <laughs> yeah, most definitely. I, I'm not that naive that I don't even know what's going on. No, no question. I <laughs> am a racing fan still. Even though I haven't been behind the wheel, I still watch it. I, I love all, almost all sorts and forms of racing. You know, I, I watch Formula One. I watch sports cars. I watch drag racing, believe it or not. <laughs> I watch, you know, NASCAR racing. I watch um, rally racing and stuff. I mean, I watch drifting. I mean, you name it. I pretty much watch it because I just love racing and competition in cars and, you know, what men and, and women can do with them. So, um, yes, I've seen what's going on on the truck series. Um, it seems like there's a whole lot of chaos going on with these youngsters that are out there behind the wheel, but uh, we'll see. You know, I mean, I'm like I said, throwing myself into the deep end, and it's called uh, sink or swim. So I'm I'm looking to swim. Okay, well, we're looking forward to watching your race. Uh, uh, disappointed that it's just one race, but so happy to see you back on the track. Uh, they're going to be racing this week at Las Vegas on Saturday at 2.30 p.m. Eastern Time, and fans can watch on Fox Sports 1. And if you listen on the radio, it's MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. Uh, so... Bill, it's been such a pleasure. I could keep going. We've already gone over our time allotment here. I could just keep going. I, I hope <laughs> uh, we get an opportunity uh, to talk with you again uh, somewhere down the road here because uh, it's been such a pleasure having you on the show here tonight. Well, thank you again for inviting me. I've enjoyed it as well. If I could just make a minor correction, you said it was Las Vegas this weekend. It's actually Atlanta. Atlanta Motor oh, Speedway. Oh, Atlanta. Why did I say Las That's okay. Vegas? That's okay. Las Vegas wasn't too long ago, but uh, no, it's uh, it's Atlanta, and I'm hoping that uh, folks tune in, like you said, on Fox Sports 1, and I hope they go to my website, BillLester.com, and order Winning in Reverse. Oh, yes, yes. Uh, you can order it at NASCAR.com? You can go to my website at BillLester.com or your favorite oh, bookseller, whether it be Barnes & Noble or you know uh, Amazon, Books a Million, it, any major reseller, they have them. Yes, yes. I would highly encourage people to do that. Uh, it was a great book, and uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And uh, are you writing any more? <laughs> I'm going to kind of stay in my lane for the time being, see kind of how this, you know, this one-off race goes. And, you know, I just got a whole lot of hands, you know, out there, or I should say uh, irons in the fire. So let's just see kind of what happens. I'm not sure being a, a uh, you know, a, a renowned multi-book author is, my calling. I'm not convinced <laughs> that that's the case yet. Okay. Okay. Well, <laughs> I think you uh, hit the ball out of the park, if you will, uh, with this book. And uh, again, I highly recommend it. And again, thank you so much for being here. 
And uh, we wish you the best at the race this weekend at Atlanta Motor Speedway. <laughs> Thank you so much. Guys, have a great evening. Okay. Take care, guys. Okay, now. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. That was Bill Lester. Uh, I'm sorry, Jay. I just was having such a good time talking with him. No, that, that's one of those, and I, I had no problem with that because, obviously, he talks about his calling being a speaker and especially a motivational speaker. I mean, you can just feel the enthusiasm and sincerity just pouring through him, and that is so awesome to see. And yeah, and you feel that in the book, too, Jay. You really do. Um, and and uh, I, I really, you know, I'm a female, so... A lot of the things that he talks about, uh, you know, is not necessarily – he talks about some things related to his specific um, experience. But as a female, I can relate to some of those experiences as a female, you know, and the things that I had to go through uh, to do what I do uh, and have done in my life. So – uh, just the advice that he gives and the lessons that he learns, he's right on the mark with all of it. And, uh, again, I would recommend it to everybody uh, to read. Okay, I know we've got to move on. Um, I, we'll just real quick with the truck series uh, go over the uh, point standings. They're not racing. Uh, they are racing this weekend. They did not race last weekend. Uh, so the, their next race is at Atlanta Motor Speedway uh, on this uh, Saturday, March the 20th at 10.30. The freight auctions at 2.30, I mean. Um, the freight auctions 200, and that will be televised on FS1. And, again, you can catch uh, the radio uh, on MRN and SiriusXM NASCAR radio. Uh, but uh, definitely looking forward to the uh, trucks being back on the track this weekend. So, or Jay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, talking now. about the points, yeah. We uh looking at it three races in. Ben Rhodes picked up the first two victories, but John Hunter Nemercheck was right there with him in both of those. And at Las Vegas, where their last race was, picked up the win. So now we got John Hunter leading the points by 14 over Ben Rhodes. And then there is a little bit of a gap there. Sheldon Creed at minus 35. Matt Crafton, 40 back. Chandler Smith, a rookie, at 60 back. That's your top five. Uh, if you want me to run all the way through, we'll look at 12. Yeah, go ahead. Or 10. No, 10 yeah. in the truck series. So, okay, Stuart Friesen. Grant Infinger. Now, Grant Infinger is minus one race. Uh, Todd Gillen, Johnny Sauter, and Carson Horsivar, uh, another rookie, are your top ten. And that goes as far back as minus 82. Tied for his uh, tenth there, Austin Wayne Self, also at minus 82. Austin Hill, 85. And Christian Eckes, 88. And a pair tied at minus 89. That runs back through 15th. So, again, 10 for the um, Camping World Truck Series make the playoffs, that cut line. Again, I know we're only three races in, but it is about right here and now, especially these top two that are building up their playoff points. Uh, they are locked in with wins, uh, presumably. I know this year we're looking at that might not be the case in all the series. But uh, mm -hmm. this race at Atlanta, again, going to start separating those 
even though the two have already separated themselves, who else joins that to say, hey, I'm with you? (laughs) Yes, indeed. Okay, I'm going to go ahead here and transition over to the Xfinity Series race uh, that happened at Phoenix uh, this past weekend, and that is uh, Austin Sindrick came home as the winner uh, at Phoenix. It's his second victory this season and his second straight at Phoenix Raceway. So uh, this victory marks the 10th in his career, and he becomes the third youngest driver to win uh, 10 races in series history. Uh, in his second career start, Ty Gibbs backed up his winning performance at the Daytona Road Course with a runner-up result. Brendan Brown finished with a career-best third-place finish. Uh, Riley Earps uh, in fourth, and A.J. Allmendinger rounds out the top five there. Any thoughts about that group? I got about 30 minutes of thoughts on each one of those. Uh, start at the top, Austin Sendrick. We know he comp- uh, won the championship last year. Could have possibly had the situation been right, moved up to the Cup Series, but is running a full-time again here in the Xfinity Series. Obviously going to be a contender. You know, you got to beat the champion, and he's showing, hey, it's not going to be an easy beat. Uh, so moving down to Ty Gibbs, uh, just impressive. And I know I put that on the list for hot topics. We already talked about him in the Arc of Menard mm-hmm. Series. Second start, he's already got a win and now a second-place finish. Uh, the only one, to, other one to do that, Terry Labonte. So that tells you what kind of level that, that puts him at. Uh, moving down third through, through fifth, Brandon Brown. We saw this last year. Making the playoffs, that was a win for him. That's no longer their goal. They are in the top five, and they, and they want to be there weekly, and he has held his own in the points so far this year. That win, uh, again, maybe not quite there yet, but certainly a possibility. But, again, it's that next step, moving from top 15 to top 10 to top 5, and we're seeing that progression with that self-owned team, and that is so great. Uh, Riley Herbst, we talked about this. Stuart Haas racing, kind of a little bit lacking, uh, maybe not had the best start. So getting their ship turned around to see that number 98 Monster Energy Ford there in the top 5, and then A.J. Allmendinger, College Racing. And we, I just talked about it. We've seen where they have been. They are now championship contending. Three full-time rides. One of them, A.J. Allmendinger, already with the win. We know the other two are contending. College Racing is building. Uh, to they're the point of becoming the dynasty because they are there each and every week. Yes, indeed. Um... Uh, I thought it was a fun race to watch, uh, rounding out the next five drivers, uh, Jeb Burton in sixth, Bailey Curry in the number seven position, Justin Augauer in eighth, Brett Moffat finished ninth, and Jeremy Clements fills out the rest of the top ten here in his number 51 machine. So, uh, again, some fun names in this group. And there you have it, and essentially kind of the same storylines. Jeb Jeb Burton, one of the college racing uh, machines, getting a full-time ride this year, showing why he is deserving of that. You mentioned Bailey Curry. Again, that one's taking that step. Get those first couple of top tens. I'd love to see that. Justin Algar, annual championship contender, slow start, got to get it turned around, starting starting to roll. And we've heard this story uh, all year already as well as part of last year. The 02 
uh, our motorsports and Brett Moffitt, what they're doing. They're not running for the championship as he is full-time in the Xfinity Series and in the Camping World Truck Series. But to see that team contending top 10 and top 5 every week, whether it be Brett Moffitt next year or not, I think they're going to have a driver that is championship eligible, and they're going to contend for it. And then you got Jeremy Clements, and we know his story back three, four years ago, got that victory on a road course. That was his breakthrough into the playoffs, and we've seen him right on that verge as well, again with a cell phone team. And that's good to see uh, that mixture, uh, some top, uh, what do you call it, Joe Gibbs Racing, Hendrick Motorsports, Junior Motorsports, seeing mm-hmm. some of these independent or individual-owned teams be like, hey, you're not going to beat us down no more. We're here. <laughs> <laughs> We're here to play. Okay. Also, Cindric uh, won the opening stage. That was his fourth uh, stage victory of the season. Hemrick, uh, I really thought it was going to be Hemrick's day at Phoenix Raceway this weekend. He He did win the second stage. Uh, ran into some issues at the end of the race. Uh, they gave him not the finish he deserves, uh, but uh, I thought Henrik uh, uh, was going to have a win at uh, Phoenix this weekend. Uh, it just wasn't meant to be, but uh, good to see him win that second stage. And, of course, Austin Stendrick won the third stage. Uh, you had 10 lead changes among six drivers and 11 cautions for 65 laps. The average speed of the race was 82.408 miles per hour. So uh, any thoughts uh, on any of that information? <laughs> well, you know, I was my thought process was right there with you uh, as far as Daniel Hemrick. And if you want to trade, I will trade you my fantasy pick of Noah Gregson for Daniel Hemrick, even with where he finished. <laughs> uh, Noah Gregson, one, having a rough start, hasn't turned the ship around yet, Uh Running good, just not finishing good, so that needs to be changed. But uh, Daniel Hemrick, we're waiting on that, has yet to win in any of the top three series. It's coming. And Joe Gibbs' uh, racing opportunity there, we see him there each and every week as we expected. That win is coming. Yes, he's been knocking on the door for sure. And uh, I think it's just a matter of time. I think this is definitely going to be the year. Uh, that we see Hemrick uh, have a huge celebration in Victory Lane. Okay, let's uh, go over the driver points. Well, there's where the story is. You talk about Austin Cindric, four races, uh, already has the one win, three stage wins, which gives him eight playoff points. Top of the board, defending champion. Second place, we just talked about him. Daniel Hemrick, at minus 21 points back, has the stage win and a playoff point. The other one, Joe Gibbs Racing, the number 19, Brandon Jones. We've seen him right on that verge, uh, picking up victories here and there. Needs that consistency week in and week out. Has showed it this year. He is uh, 51 back, but he does have one playoff point already for a stage win. Then comes fourth, fifth, and sixth, and here is talked about him. College Racing, Jeb Burton, Justin Haley, and A.J. Allmendinger uh, right there in order at 58 minus 58, minus 63, and minus 65. Which uh, point? That's your top. Oh, okay. Never mind. I think I see it. I'm I'm getting different results than you are. That's why I'm confused. Oh, I'm sorry. We didn't You're go down okay. the – I was going down the points, not the race. No, we did the, the whole top ten from the race. Yeah, I was looking no, at the No, we're points. talking about the points after Phoenix. Is that not what I'm under? 
nope, you're right. I'm under Las Vegas. That was bad on okay, me. Okay, I thought so. <laughs> I'm like, wait a second, John. I'm seeing something different than what you're saying. All right, let me. Uh, you're right. I, you're that. That was on me. I had Las Vegas point or fallen Las Vegas. So let me go down to. Okay, Phoenix, you right, up, go right. ahead. I don't know why I can't pull. Yeah, I can't pull up. Okay, let me go ahead and do it then. Uh, this is after Phoenix Raceway. Austin Sindrick is in the lead. Uh, Daniel Hemrick is second. Then you've got Jeb Burton uh, in third place, uh, followed by A.J. Allmendinger, and then Harrison Burton rounding out the top five there. Okay, I'm with you now. Uh, again, I apologize for that, and it's five races in. And Sindrick, that's I thought that when I read it. Sindrick has two wins, four stage, and 14 playoff points. Yes. Um, so a little, little bit changed there, but the same players, except you mentioned Harrison Burton in the fifth spot. Then is Brandon Jones in sixth. Myatt Schneider with a win and five points in the bank, in the playoff bank. Justin Haley. Brandon Brown did have a one bad race in between there, but after finishing third in the ninth spot, he's 111 points back. Then is Jeremy Clements, Justin Allgaier, and Riley Herbst to round out the top 12 in your cutoff line. Now, here's where it gets interesting. We talked about uh, regular championship contenders, Junior Motorsports, Michael Annette. He is right now in 13th, five points behind the cutoff line. Ty Gibbs, only two races instead of five, in 15th. Now, he will not be eligible for the playoffs, but he's making a case with his part-time starts of Rookie of the Year. And we got Jill Graff Jr. there. Uh, let's see, I, actually, I missed the... Uh, 14th is Landon Castle. He is running full-time with JD Motorsports. And that's another team we have seen the progression and the build they are making mm -hmm. with a underfunded team, but getting some full-time drivers. And, again, they're on that verge, top 15. You need to up it a little bit. You've got to be in that top 12, but that's where it starts. And we're seeing that with JD Motorsports, and I like that. Okay. And Joe Graff Jr., you mentioned, he's actually 17th, and Tommy Joe Martin's in 16th. Uh, Joe's going to be on the show next Monday night, so uh, look forward to having Joe on the show at 9 o'clock next Monday. That's March the 22nd, just as a heads-up to everybody uh, that uh, he's doing the monthly thing with us again this year. And uh, definitely looking forward to talking to him. He's sitting... Uh, you know, in a position that uh, if he can get some good finishes here, um, you know, he could maybe get himself up there and definitely in the best position he's been in in the uh, Xfinity Series so far. Most certainly. And, and again, that's that team that, that in the growing stages and having him come on once a month uh, on a regular basis getting to talk to them about that, of, of where they're at, that next step, the one key thing that, that they've added to take them to that next level. Uh, I really like the fact that he has come on and agreed to do the, the monthly visit with us. Yeah, yeah, that's always uh, a fun thing to do with him. Uh, and I, I like uh, to get the sneaker update. <laughs> <laughs> that definitely a twist with that interview, yeah, so you get the sneaker update. <laughs> Exactly. Okay. Uh, anything else you think we missed here that we need to touch on before we move on to the Cup Series, Jay? 
Um, no, I think so. Looking down there, uh, you know, we talked about those teams right on the edge. Noah Gregson in 19th, uh, junior motorsports driver, not had the best start. Again, running well, not finishing well. I think we see him move up. I, I feel like the victory's coming, hopefully here at Atlanta, as I picked him already. But that's going to put even more pressure on those mid-tier teams. And, again, with the way this season has gone, both in the Xfinity and the Cup, some of these other teams that get wins, some teams we expect to be in based on points, might be at the bottom end and near that cutoff and aren't expecting it, could get real interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it definitely could. Um, so, yeah, definitely uh, check out the Xfinity Series this weekend. Uh, they're racing at Atlanta on Saturday, March the 20th. Uh, that will be televised on Fox Sports 1 at 5 p.m. Eastern Time and PRN, Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. And, of course, Jay and I will be doing the preview of that race on Thursday night. So, uh, and Thursday night, our guest, Jay, is uh, Max Gutierrez. I think we already mentioned that. Definitely look. Yep, I said definitely <laughs> looking forward to that one from uh, from Rev Racing. Gotten off to a really good start there in the Arkham Menards Series East with a win already. Uh, talking to him about the the outlook for the rest of their season. Yes, indeed. Okay, let's uh, go ahead and move on to the Cup Series. Uh, I was real happy that Martin Truex Jr. won the Instacart 500. NASCAR Cup Series race at Phoenix Raceway. He's never won at Phoenix before, so this was a first for him. Uh, and it, but it was his 28th uh, career victory. Joey Logano was, was second, uh, followed by Denny Hamlin, uh, who was the pole sitter. Uh, Brad, no, Brad, was Hamlin the pole sitter or Keselowski? Actually, I think Brad was, was the pole sitter. Yep. Yeah, I think Brad Keselowski was the pole sitter. He finished in fourth place, and then uh, it was Chase Elliott uh, rounding out the top five there. And the Cup Series, uh, I know we talked about the tagline of a best season ever. I mean, I think we are seeing <laughs> that at the Cup level. Uh, Truex has been a, been a contender but hadn't gotten a victory yet this year. Does so first one at Phoenix, you know that's always a great thing to see them check that off. You got to look at what it takes to go through it. Joey Logano led 143 laps, uh, finished second, so you know he was there contending as well as his Penske teammate Brad Keselowski. And I'm looking to see where Ryan Blaney finished. I know he was up there. Okay, he's he's down in the tenth he's spot. In the we'll get to in a minute. Yeah. Um, and then Chase Elliott, obviously. When it won the championship there last year, again, had to go to the rear and come back to finish uh, fifth. Those are your weekly contenders we've expected to see, and we hadn't necessarily so far yet this year. So this is where it gets interesting. Just as I mentioned in the Xfinity Series, when we get to the point standings, we got to look at that. They're, they're not winning races, which means other drivers are, but that's going to shift that possible win in your end. Uh, you know, that might not be enough. I know it's still early. We only got five out of the 16 filled. But how many more might we see that could change that? Mm-hmm. Definitely. Okay, the next five drivers uh, rounding out the top ten here is Kevin Harvick, Kyle Larson with another good finish, William Byron, Christopher Bell, 
and Ryan Blaney rounds out uh, the top 10 here. Uh, Truex led 64 laps on the day. He passed Logano for the lead with 24 laps left and pulled away for the win uh, of more than a second uh, is the margin. Uh, stage one was won by Ryan Blaney, stage two by Joey Logano, and of course stage three was Martin Truex. There were 22 lead changes among nine drivers, seven cautions for 45 yellow flag laps, and uh, I want to get your thoughts about all of that. Well, right there, it kind of tells the story. I mentioned Joey Logano leading uh, the number of laps he did. Brad Keselowski also led 19, and Ryan Blaney, 35. Stage winners, you had Ryan Blaney winning the first one, Joey Logano the second one. Kind of looked like the Penske type of day, which was partially expected, but it's where you finish. Uh, and it, I'd always watching the race, Joey Logano's car definitely went away, and that's a key factor at the cup level is having the car right and fast at the end of the race. Um, Harvick, Stuart Haas Racing, we've talked about him. They, as an organization, kind of need to get righted and have seemed to be going in that direction. No better place for Kevin Harvick than at Phoenix, right? Uh, I think it used to be known mm-hmm. as Harvick Raceway, in, in quotations, uh, there for a stretch. <laughs> then you got Hendrick Motorsports, and I know Mike isn't going to be on tonight to, to talk about it, but he is right. I know it's a fa- he's a, fa- a fan of Hendrick Motorsports, but they are putting together what they've even referred to as possibly the strongest four-car team they have had in a while. we got William Byron yes. who has picked up a win, as well as Kyle Larson now with Hendrick Motorsports this year, uh, right there. It's not like they won a race and then didn't do anything else the rest of the year and were just an added name in the playoffs. They, you know, they're, they're up there. Uh, let's see. I don't think either one of them led. Oh, Kyle Larson did lead one lap. Uh, the one thing I'll say about Kyle Larson, I believe he had started in the back and had two speeding penalties, so he went to the back and to the front more than once. <laughs> yes, he did. <laughs> okay. Um, and I felt bad for Alex Bowman. This is a home track for him. Uh, so I kind of felt bad for him. <laughs> but uh, I know he would have liked to have had a better finish. He actually finished 13th, though, in spite of what happened. Um so, uh, a really, uh, it was a good race to watch. I really enjoyed it. And I thought the Stuart Haas it, cars were a little bit better this week, too. Across it the was. I was. You led right into that. Eric Almarola was your t- uh, ten, uh, 12th place finisher, sorry, after starting 32nd. And you mentioned Alex Bowman. So, seeing that mix, uh, you know, we all have our favorites. I get that. But I also, as a fan of the sport, love to see the mixture we have seen so far this year. And as I mentioned, some mm-hmm. of them, uh, you know, oh, they got lucky, they got a win, rain delay, blah, blah, whatever. Okay, these, these teams aren't like they got that and then going away. The top teams, I think, we're, I don't think we're going to see. Last year we had what, Denny Hamlin. Uh, let me see if I got this. Kevin Harvick had nine wins and Denny Hamlin had eight, I believe. I don't think we're mm-hmm. going to see that this year. Even after these teams start winning, we still expect them to win a couple of races, you know, but not dominate like they did last year that we're seeing such, and I know the Sirius XM, they, using the word parody, I don't know if that's the right word to get into the English language, but we are at least seeing different winners. Uh, I'll use that word. Mm-hmm. And I like to see that. I really do. 
Yeah, I do too. I, I, I really think that's part of what's made this uh, so much fun to watch is we're seeing, you know, everybody likes to cheer for the underdog. So <laughs> when you're seeing some of those drivers up there racing uh, with the veteran, uh, the perennial uh, drivers that are up there, uh, it, it really makes it uh, a lot more fun to watch, I think. So I've, I've enjoyed that as well, Jay. Uh, let's go ahead and move on to the points report. All right. Would you like me to cover the points re- report following the uh, Phoenix? <laughs> yes, the one following sure Phoenix, got, please. <laughs> make sure I got that one right here this time. Uh, <laughs> Denny Hamlin is your points leader, although he doesn't have the victory. Three stage wins, three playoff points. Brad Keselowski is minus 39. Joe Logano minus 44. Martin Truex now in fourth at minus 56. And a tie between Hendrick Motorsports teammates Kyle Larson and Chase Elliott at minus 57 each. And there I want to note the playoff points. Hamlin has three, Keselowski one, Logano one, Truex has five with the win. Larson picked up a stage win, so he's got six. Five for his win, one for the stage win. Chase Elliott at this point only has one. So there again, that becomes a factor, and you don't see a big big playoff points buildup like we have seen in the past or in some of the other series. And I think that's going to be really interesting with the reseeding come playoff time. Uh, rounding out the rest here. and Go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. <laughs> okay. Um, rounding out the rest, I know for Cup Series, we've got to cover 16 here. So Kevin Harvick, uh, Christopher Bell. Bell has a win and five playoff points. William Byron, a win and a stage win, six playoff points. And Kurt Busch is 10th, nothing uh, on his stat line there. Then 11th through 16th, here's Michael McDowell still in 11th points with one win, has the five playoff points. Again, he hasn't dropped off the face of the earth. They aren't running top five every week, but he did start the season with three top tens in a row, which is great for that team. Uh, 12th. Austin Dillon, Ryan Blaney, Ryan Priest, who is in a non-chartered team this year. So they have to qualify each and every week or be one of the open teams, and now they're solid in points. 15th is Kyle Busch, and 16th is Ricky Stenhouse Jr., and that goes back to minus 123 points. Now, quick peek of around that bubble line. You mentioned Alex Bowman hasn't quite had the finishes of where they've been running the fourth Hendrick Motorsports team. Then you got the teams we're looking at of breaking out or get, starting to pick up victories. Um, Chris Busher, Bubba Wallace, Cole Custer. Custer had a win last year. Ross Chastain, Ryan Newman, Eric Jones, Daniel Suarez with that track star team in 24th. Chase Briscoe as a rookie. And then you got some ones we expect to win. Eric Almarola and Tyler Reddick, again, having a little bit of a rough start. But as we go through the season and they get that straightened out, as they move up, it's a matter of who moves down. Yes, indeed. And I do think we will see movement, uh, especially with some of these drivers uh, that are just getting their legs wet, if you will, or just getting their legs under them. Uh, as the season progresses and they get more and more comfortable, uh, I think we'll, we'll see some movement uh, definitely within this group. So 
and and hopefully we'll see changes as far as what happens at the racetrack as the season continues as well. And the pandemic uh, won't be as much of an issue in all of this. Uh, so we'll see how NASCAR kind of uh, relates to all of that as well as this season uh, continues. Um, but uh, I, I'm really excited for this season. I'm loving what I'm seeing so far, Jay, and all three of the series. Uh, and uh, I, I love watching every single one of the races so far this season. I'm going to miss a couple. I think I'll miss the Xfinity Series race this weekend. I'll, I'll have it on replay, but uh, and I'll be able to watch the delayed version, but uh, definitely – uh, looking forward to the races at Atlanta Motor Speedway this weekend and all three of these series. Yeah, Atlanta is one of those, again, uh, of you have some favorites, but being that the, the package this year, a spring race, uh, coming back to Atlanta, picking up a spring race could be a little bit mm-hmm. different, so you can't ever count on anything for certain. That's why the, That's why they race. Exactly right. Now, the uh, Cup Series, they'll be racing at Atlanta on Sunday. That will be televised on Fox at 3 p.m. Eastern Time. And, again, radio coverage will be on PRN and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. So uh, we'll do our preview show on Thursday night uh, and get into more detail with uh, all three of those series. But uh, I'll tell you what, uh, I think it's been the best season um, that I've seen in a long time in all three series. So we'll have to see how that continues to play out. I, and, I, you know, that might be something that we'll be talking about on our hot topics tonight as well. Well, I know there are a couple of them that we have identified already and thrown up there, and we'll see what analytics uh, Owen brings to the table. Can't forget <laughs> that we got an analytics with us uh, now. Um, so yeah. I'm sure he'll have some different stats and, and, and things to bring to us here when he joins us here in a couple of minutes. Yes, uh, I, I really enjoyed the perspective of both Owen Stewart and uh, Tommy Kraft uh, and their participation in our Hot Topic conversations. And I'm glad that we do kind of get to mix it up a little bit. Uh, and get different perspectives on our Hot Topic segment. Uh, And I hope that continues throughout the season as well. Uh, And, uh, again, we missed uh, Sal tonight. I'm still thinking about him and uh, praying for a speedy recovery there. Uh, I know yesterday he was not feeling real good, and I hope he's feeling better. And, uh, again, we'll look forward to talking to him next Monday night, hopefully, we'll have to kind of see how that goes. Uh, but uh, I'll have to see if you or Andy can do next Monday night show if he's not feeling any better. But uh, uh, just to let him know that we are missing him. Well, definitely, uh, as a team, we'll come together to support him in his time of need. And, again, we do wish him a, a recovery, a quick and healthy recovery there. Uh, and overall, yeah. I can't – can't comment on the pain because I certainly don't want to have to uh, say I know that feeling. Um, I know he, the <laughs> surgery did go well. It's just the recovery mm-hmm. with, that goes with it. Yes, yes. All right. Uh, let me look here. We don't have the other guys here yet. 
Oh, let's go over that. Let's transition by going over our points because I omitted that last week. Well, I know we, we didn't quite have time, and this kind of plays obviously with the seasons we're talking about on the on the track. Our fantasy points is right along with that when we talk about the parallel, and we have eight players now, which the points that helps out a little bit. Um, so going into Atlanta, the overall points for the truck series, the Camping World Truck Series, Mike is leading that at 15 points. Sharon is only back one at 14. Andy is at 11. And then you got myself and Sam tied at 10. So that's five of the, the eight players we have right there within just a couple of points. The Xfinity Series, another close one here. Okay, we got Owen at 23, Andy and Mike tied at 22 for second and third, and then this one we're going to hit six of them. James, Sam, and Sharon, fourth, fifth, and sixth, all tied at 16. I won't want to mention where I am. <laughs> and 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 my only my only my only say, the only thing I can say is there's Tommy's below me, but he got a late start, so I can't even use that argument. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, well, that's On so the, unusual for you, though. Yeah, well, that's what the Xfinity series has kind of been my my rough one this year. Last year it was in the Truck series. This year it's in the Xfinity, which which may have something to do with Noah Gregson having a tough start. But <laughs> oh, that could be. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, on the cup side, uh, here, let's talk about this one. I lead this one. However, I was last this week, so my lead has shrunk. I'm at 38. Sam is at 36. Mike is at 30. And then you got Sharon at 26 and Owen at 25. So, again, 13-point difference there amongst the top five. And I want to say I did an overall shot. There we go. All right, the overall, uh, Mike is leading that at 67. I'm at 58. Owen is at, nope, hold on, Sharon's at 56. Then Owen at 53. And Andy at 42. James at 35. And, again, uh, Tommy joining us late there is at 19, but uh, came in, I think, five races across overall behind. So he'll make his up and still be, once we get to the playoffs, uh, again, we'll go to a 16-point win uh, this year instead of 14. So, going to be interesting. Yes, it will be. Well, we are at the top of the hour. In fact, one minute passed, and that means it is time for our Hot Topic Sound Off. And uh, joining us for tonight's Hot Topics are two of our Fan for Racing crew members, including, first of all, Owen. Welcome to the show. Yeah, good to be back. It's good to have you back. And Tommy, welcome. Hey, good to be back. Thank you. I'm looking forward to this. <laughs> yes, indeed. We are too, Tommy. So, uh, okay, I've got to get my list here so I can keep track of uh, my hot topic uh, order here. So uh, let's go ahead and get started uh, with, uh, let's start with you, Owen. Let's kick off our hot topics tonight. Uh, Yeah, one thing I really was interested in looking at this week is obviously the past couple years uh, pre-race weekend has been a little different than usual. We haven't had practice, haven't had much qualifying. So 
Uh, I wanted to take a look at, I guess, what you guys think, different opinions on how the current formula to determine the starting lineup is affecting not just individual races, but the entire season for some drivers. Okay. Uh, We'll go to you, Tommy, for the first uh, comment on that. Well, I definitely think it's benefiting the people that are winning the races because they get to start up at the top the whole time, and um, it's just giving them an advantage. And then I think it's hurting the people in the 16 to 30 range uh, when they get set up because you got people like Newman, Wallace, Eric Jones, Austin Dillon, Tyler Reddick, and all them back there, whereas if they did qualifying – they might have a chance to start up towards the front, and and they don't get that with this lineup. And um, what I'm impressed with, though, are Ricky Stenhouse and Ryan Priester right now in the top um, 16, and they seem to be, and Michael McDowell, and they seem to be keeping their cars up there every week. So that's that's really good. So there's there are some people that are working through it, uh, this different lineup, but there are people definitely hurting from it and people benefiting from it. Okay. Uh, Jay? Well, whether you look at it or not, uh, the one thing I do, you're basing it based on past performance versus, you know, what you got for the weekend coming up if you're talking about qualifying. But as a whole, generally speaking, the guys that are winning and running up front the week prior are going to be the ones qualifying well and running up front to start up front anyway when it comes to the current weekend. Uh, the, the and there's some smart people in here. I don't know what maybe Owen can fill that in on, on the analytics of it or whatever other term that formula. I think NASCAR did the best. Uh, they didn't strip the finishing order from. It is a mixture that contains fastest laps where they were running and where they are in the points. Uh, different percentage assigned to each. I don't have that handy as far as what those percentages are. So. They put some thought into it. They put some math into it. Again, is it ideal? Absolutely not. But then some people don't feel qualifying is either because it's a one lap or whatever, you know, and some teams can focus on qualifying setup only. Uh, So uh, no matter what system you have, everybody's playing by the same rules. You know, you want to start better next week, run better this week. (laughs) So uh, I think it, like I said, it's not necessarily ideal or the best. Um, but I think it does work, and I think NASCAR did a great job of putting that together. Yeah, it's it's kind of uh, one of those things that happened because of the pandemic, uh, and uh, I think that there's some pros and cons to it. Uh, I do think that it has made it a lot of fun to watch. Um, I, I kind of feel bad for the drivers that are struggling with not having the practice sessions and qualifying and all of that. But at the same time, I think that it's given us, um, uh, uh, you know, we were talking about some of the new names that we're seeing up in the top ten in the finishing order. Uh, You know, Bailey Curry (laughs) up in the top ten this week in the Xfinity Series. Uh, We never saw that before. So I, I think that's one of the positive things that we're seeing from it because, some of these other teams are getting a chance to get their car up in that top 10 uh, for a little more exposure than what they normally get. 
and I think that's a positive uh, definitely for those guys. Um, and and I agree with Jay. I think NASCAR has done what they feel is the best that they can do maybe with the situation as it is uh, and that everybody's playing by the same rules. So uh, if, if your car's not what you want it to be off of the truck, then uh, I think it's a matter of putting your nose to the grindstone to say what do you have to do a little bit differently in order to get it where it needs to be off the truck so that you can get that better result. Um, but uh, uh, I am looking forward to when we can get back to a little bit normal situation. I think one of the questions that we might be able to add in here uh, is, is uh, do you want NASCAR to keep it this way or do we need to go back uh, to the more traditional way of doing it? So, Owen, I'm really curious to know what your thoughts are. Yeah, I agree with uh I guess the statement that this isn't necessarily the ideal situation, but I do think they've done the best that they can do with what they were given. Uh, Obviously this is a a short-term practice, something that the pandemic kind of threw at NASCAR. And I do like what they're doing now better than the random draw. I think if they were going to do that, they might as well have just done random draw for one through 40 to make it as entertaining as possible. But (laughs) I do think that the majority of NASCAR fans, including myself, would like to see qualifying make uh, a return in 2022. Um, I just think that with the current formula, it's very easy to, uh, obviously, one race finish affects the next. So you run bad one race, then you're more likely to run poorly the next. Uh, It changes your entire strategy because if you're starting 30th, you got to be more aggressive. You got to get creative to gain track position and you can get caught up in early incidents. So uh, I'm just going to be interested to watch the rest of the season to see if kind of like last year, we see a two car, three car breakaway in the standings, like with what we saw with Harvick and Hamlin, where they were always starting up front and they were able to kind of just drive away. Okay. Uh, Tommy, your follow-up comments. Um. So I kind of agree that I, I won't qualify to make a comeback in 2022. Um, I don't mind the current formula that's going on now. I think NASCAR is doing really uh, good with that. Um, I do think it would have what uh, Owen said. That would be pretty cool if they did a random draw and just <laughs> let it be a, a free-for-all for, all for uh, the starting positions and then race through all that. That would be awesome. That would have been entertaining for sure. But um, I'm ready for qualifying to come back, and um, I also agree, still think that if you keep on winning, that's just going to set up the, the lineup for advantage for whoever keeps on winning. So uh, but that's how I got on this. Okay, Jay, your follow-up? Yeah, I mean, I, I am in favor of qualifying returning, and I know that they've talked about that, of looking at, down the road, whether it be this year or now next year, um, I think they're pretty much set with the plan they have for this year anyway, of along with practice at least a little bit. Uh, Again, I'm kind of in favor of doing a one hour in that hour of practice. Your fastest time is your qualifying. So it is on where you are at currently and going into that race weekend. Um, But like I said, I think with what they have, uh, what they've done with the formula, the met- matrix, metrics, whatever they, whatever it's called, that um, 
it was better, as I think Tommy said, the random draw was that was, I hate to say the word horrible, but that really wasn't the best option by any means. Um, so I think they, that they did a good thing with putting the metrics together. Uh, but, yeah, I'm, I'm with you guys. I would like to see qualifying return. Okay, and I'll echo that sentiment as well. Uh, I do want to see qualifying come back. Uh, I do like the reduced weekend, though, So, uh, and, and I know there's a cost savings that's associated with that. So maybe maybe not to where those guys are there all weekend long. Uh, maybe continue with their plan to reduce the weekend for the Cup Series drivers, uh, but still re- make it come back <laughs> the the qualifying and the practices. So Owen, what are, what is your follow up? You get the final word. Yeah, I like the point you brought up about the cost savings um, because I guess that is the biggest pro to having the reduced weekend. And I guess, like, if they were to do a hybrid weekend where, uh, yeah, like your practice time becomes your qualifying time, I think that would be a good cost-saving method as well. So it's it's worth wondering if maybe part of the reason that teams like JTG Doherty, like Front Row Motorsports, are running better because they're able to save some of that money that they would have otherwise spent on, you know, mm-hmm. extra backup cars, extra materials for practice and qualifying. And um, just like I've said already, I, I'd love for qualifying to return, and the next-gen car is supposed to cut down on those costs a little bit. But that is, I guess that is um, the biggest pro of what they are doing now. So not the ideal situation, but I do think NASCAR has made the best of what, what they can do with it. Without a doubt. Okay, Tommy, you're up next. What's your hot topic for tonight? Let's go with uh, Jay's How Real is Ty Gibbs. Okay, so Jay, you get to start off on that one. Well, we talked about it in the review this weekend. Uh, <laughs> got an Arkham Menards, Arkham Menards win there, there at Phoenix, uh, second in his second start. Uh in the Xfinity series uh, compared to Terry Labonte as far as a win and a second place in his first two starts. I know that you can call it, what is it, the word nepotism. I got to use my big word for the week as far as driving for Grandpa Joe Gibbs. But we've seen other drivers that have driven for top organizations and not delivered. So he is delivering. And I think we're, we're seeing one of the ones, and I know you don't want to put too much hype on him, but as of right now, I mean, you can't can't argue with the stats, and he is backing it up on the track. Okay, Owen, your thoughts? Yeah, when I saw him win at the road course, I honestly, it, I was in disbelief. I mean, he was 18 years old, making his first ever Xfinity start, and uh, I feel like the impression of a guy, when you see the last name Gibbs, you're just thinking uh, Silver Spoon, uh, kind of what Austin mm-hmm. Dillon's nickname became, I guess, early in his cup career. You're just thinking about uh, him getting that ride because of, uh, like Jay already mentioned, nepotism, just the family connections. But uh, he shows that it's not just all about that. And not only that, he backed it up with another good race at Phoenix. And he's sharing that car with a guy in Ty Dillon, who's an experienced cup veteran and Ty hasn't run nearly as well as Ty Gibbs. So that's been – it's been insane to watch, honestly, see a guy that young come in and just immediately pick up 
a completely different car, completely different setup, and just be able to drive that car into the top five. Yes, I think uh, Ty Gibbs is the real deal for sure. Uh, he, When he won that road course, I'm with you, Owen, it was it was disbelief. And he beat some really good road course racers uh, in that event. The very first time he ever drove on the Daytona road course uh, to go up there and win that race. Uh, and if you watch him on the track, the moves that he makes are really impressive as well. Uh, I've watched him in, in not just the Xfinity series, but I've watched him in the Arkham Menard series, and it's the same thing. You're right. Other people have been in that car, and uh, you don't see them getting the same results, but you don't see them doing what Ty Gibbs does when he's behind the wheel of that car either. Uh, he makes some impressive moves as a driver, uh, and they're moves that work. And uh, he's impressive all the way around, no matter how you look at it. Uh, he won this weekend in the Arkham Menard Series. That was a combination event uh, between the Arkham Menard Series and the Arca West and Phoenix, at Phoenix. Um, and, uh, again, there were some great drivers in that race, 30 drivers on the track at the start of the race. Uh, and Ty Gibbs came home as the as the winner. Uh, so we've seen this coming, uh, watching him in the ARCA series last year, racing part-time just cause he, because he wasn't old enough yet. Uh, but um, I think we've got a lot to look forward to with Ty Gibbs. So the way I see it, he's the real deal. How about you, Tommy? I agree with you guys. Um, I definitely have to say, though, you definitely think of Austin and Ty Dillon and Austin Sendrick and guys like that with uh, with Ty Gibbs. Um, but also, though, Austin Sendrick won a championship last year, and so far Ty Gibbs looks really good. He's already got one win and um, finished second in his next race right up there with Terry Labonte. That's awesome. Um, I've, after last year, he won so many races in the, the Arca Series, and um, he finished second at the road course last year, so this this guy is the real deal, I think. I'm, I'm looking forward to watching him these next couple of uh, years and um, see what happens. And you guys are right, too. He shares that car with another tie who's not looking too good right now, but um, I want him to get it turned around as well. I'm wishing him good fortune, but Ty Gibbs is going to be somewhere next year, and Joe Gibbs, that's for sure, one of those cars full-time, and I'm really looking forward to that. Okay, Jay, your follow-up. Yeah, well, as long as he is performing, uh, you know, I don't, I don't see the issue with it or why people even question it. Uh, obviously, no matter who gets in a Joe Gibbs ride, it is a top ride, and if you're performing in it, that shows you. Uh, the one thing I do want to be cautious about, and you know, we're all guilty of it. Uh, Chase Elliott, Christopher Bell, Cole Custer especially when you make that move from Xfinity up to Cup, mm-hmm. that we don't put too high of expectations on it. You know, it does take time. Our champion, Chase Elliott, it took him three years to win at the Cup level. We thought Christopher Bell had a shot at winning as a rookie. He didn't. He's with Joe Gibbs now. Second year does so. So we want to still afford him that same opportunity to grow especially when he makes the jump from Xfinity to Cup. 
Okay. Owen, your thoughts? Your final word? Yeah, I think the biggest key with him is just to keep him on a trajectory where he's not being rushed, he's not being pushed too hard, and there aren't unrealistic expectations on him. I remember seeing a social media post about two days after he won at the road course uh, where people were basically debating which JGR Cup car he was going to be taking over in two years. And (laughs) first thing I was thinking is, why? Like, he's going to be 20 years old. Uh, He could have an Xfinity championship next year, but I'd still keep him in the Xfinity series another year. Uh, There's no use in rushing him to the Cup series. Um, Like you guys said, it usually takes guys a year, two years, sometimes three years to find success in Cup after moving from Xfinity to Cup. And the younger drivers typically take even more time. So, I just think they they really need to be methodical with him. They can't push him to do things that he's not ready for, even if they do think he is ready for it. Uh, like it's a whole new animal going from Xfinity to Cup, as we've seen. Yeah, I agree 110% with you, Owen. I, I think the temptation's going to be there uh, because, like you said, people are talking about it already. But they've got to resist that temptation. It's going to be better to keep him back in the Xfinity series. I'm happy that they did that with Austin Sindrick this year. Uh, They're giving him a few select rides in the cup series uh, before moving him up. But I think it's better for the sport. I think it's better for the driver. Uh, And I, I just think that uh, they've got to resist that temptation of moving him up too soon. I agree wholeheartedly. And even when they do move him up, um, as good as he is, and he is good, I, it, those cars are so much heavier than the Xfinity Series cars, and that is a huge adjustment for a lot of these drivers in being able to handle that car. So uh, I agree with you too, Jay. You've got to give them time to make that adjustment, but don't push them up there too soon. Uh, I think we've seen that play out in a number of instances as well, and it hasn't always worked out in the best interest of those drivers. So uh, I think it's best to hold them back and and let them get a couple championships in the Xfinity Series uh, before you move them up to uh, that Cup Series. Uh, So I 100% agree with uh, you guys on that. So, Tommy, you get the final word here. I was just going to add, too, that I heard a comment during the race that uh, pointed out that it's hard to pass at Phoenix, and Ty Gibbs moved right on through the field. So it was another uh, impressive (laughs) performance for him. And um, I'm with you guys. I want them to be patient with him, too, but I definitely think he'll be full-time in the Xfinity Series for them next year somewhere in one of those cars, probably, or maybe even the truck series. Or he'll probably get some truck rides now, too. Um, I feel like I saw um, somewhere where he might drive the 81 car in the Xfinity Series this year at some point in the race. I feel like I saw that somewhere today. I'm not sure, but... um, He's going to be one to watch in years to come. I'm excited. Okay. So I haven't seen too much of the news today. Uh, did you guys see any of that? I I hadn't seen that. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, I haven't seen it either. I've been busy reading the Lester's book all day today. Um but uh, let's go ahead and move on to the next hot topic. So, Jay, you get to kick, 
kick this one off. All right. Well, I got a, a hot topic that I had listed on the board there, as you saw, the cup drivers that are joining the Camping World Truck Series uh, race. And then I will add some things. Uh, Owen and Tommy are in for a little bit of a treat, as I do have some breaking news to share. Oh, okay. So, Owen, you get to go first on this one. Uh, to be honest, I, I love the fact that uh, – Cup Series drivers are hopping into trucks at Bristol. Um, I think that we can call the Bristol dirt race what it is, and that's a show for NASCAR. They want to showcase uh, versatility in the sport. They want to reach a new group of fans. They want to get to the grassroots people that um, have, I guess, have kind of turned away from NASCAR, and they want to bring them back. And dirt track racing is the roots of racing. So it's cool to see them do it. Um, I was kind of hurt to see Bristol lose one of its two gates, but I just think it's going to be a really unique experience. And I think especially at the lower levels, anything they can do to get that viewership, to get fans interested, even if it means Truex, Kyle Busch, half the Cup Series racing trucks, it'll be a really, really fun show. And it's going to be incredible to watch those guys duel it out in trucks on the dirt. Yeah, it is. <laughs> okay, so uh Tommy, what what's your thought? I agree with Owen. Um it was awesome last year when Chase Elliott uh hopped in the truck, got Hooters on with that black and orange paint scheme and I think I'm pretty sure he won. And that was awesome and then he also sponsored I racing, so Truex is bringing auto owners and um I'm not sure who Harvick is bringing, but um it's just going to be awesome. I agree. I like it when the cup guys get in the truck series and in the Xfinity series because it, it's more competition for those people. And I remember back when Mark Martin used to run the Bush races and just dominate. And you had like Terry Labonte and then that would do some truck races and, and would dominate, but it makes, it makes those other guys better. And that's what I want because then when they get to the cup level and are rookies, they can go ahead and be kind of, up there competing for, for wins almost like they used to because they're experienced. Okay. Yeah, I, I know we're seeing I, – I did see an announcement that uh, uh, Martin Truex is going to be racing in Bristol Dirt this when that comes up. Uh, we know that Kyle Busch is racing on Bristol Dirt. Uh, and did, it, did I hear somebody say Kevin Harvick? Is he doing that too? Yeah, remember we announced that la or brought that up last yeah. week. A couple of Xfinity races. There you go. Yeah, here's the thing: racing on the Bristol dirt is going to be a whole lot different than racing on the Eldora dirt, <laughs> and that's because of the banking that's going to be at Bristol. And so I applaud these guys for taking some time to get to know that track before they have their Cup Series race. Uh, but I also agree with Owen. It's going to bring a lot of new eyes uh, to that event. And it is part of getting back to the NASCAR roots that a lot of people have been begging for uh, from NASCAR. Uh, but we have to keep in mind, this is not going to be your typical dirt race <laughs> that you see uh, when they go dirt racing at Bristol. There's a banking at that track, and I don't know if they can take care of that banking 
with all of the dirt that they're putting in there. But uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they manage it uh, because that's going to be huge. I remember a dirt race out at at, um, Las Vegas in the Arkham Menard series last year, and they had a heck of a time uh, taking care of the dirt because the environment out there is so different. It's so dry that they kept watering the track down and uh, it kept drying up. <laughs> and uh, the, the, just the whole management of that track was so hot, difficult um, for them to do that dirt race out there. So, And that was at Las Vegas, I believe. So I think they're going to run into some similar, not not exactly the same issues, but there's going to be some issues, I think, with this dirt race at Bristol. And and that's what I think a lot of these cup guys are trying to figure out, is what are those issues going to be, and how do I prepare myself for that when I go into the, the cup series race. So uh, it's part of what's going to make it fun to watch. Sure, uh, it's going to be part of that. <laughs> but uh, I just want to kind of give everybody a heads up. Don't expect it to be like your traditional dirt race. Uh, I think this Bristol dirt race is going to be very different from what we're accustomed to seeing on dirt. So, Jay, what are your thoughts? Well, my thought is it seems to be on a, on a regular basis. I think you should do your announcement now because uh, <laughs> otherwise oh. you're going to interrupt me. <laughs> okay. To our first-time listeners, uh, we do this at this time of the day because uh, we go off the air at exactly 10.30 p.m. Eastern time, and that means that uh, we're going to be mid-sentence when we go off the air. But I want to uh, reassure our first-time listeners that we are continuing to record that conversation so that it will be available on our podcast. Now, what I do is I go out on uh, Twitter to let everybody know that we've completed the show and that the podcast is out there. So if you've listened, usually we get done about a half hour later. But uh, what you do is if you've listened up to this point is go to the player that we have at fanforacing.com and just fast forward to the two-hour mark to hear the rest of the conversation. So, uh, again, we just like to alert fans that that's going to happen so that you're not caught off guard with us still talking sentence and going off air at the same time. So with that, Jay, uh, I'm going to give you your soapbox and let you go. All right. Well, I I am up on it. I've been waiting on it. Uh, (laughs) What you guys have all said, as far as a cup driver going to an Xfinity race, I do not have an issue with. I am in favor of I like that NASCAR did restrict it. But we're talking about a unique event here and having multiple, not just one or two, multiple come in as a test session. And I understand why they're doing it. NASCAR did not restrict it, so they are not necessarily doing anything wrong. Uh, I do think it helps the series. I think it helps the drivers. It helps, like, uh, I don't remember which one said it, the show that is going to be for the truck series. Uh, So I'm not opposed to it from that aspect. What I'm looking at, though, is this particular event, being that there have been so many announced now, and to counter it and give you guys something else to think about, uh, I said I had some uh, breaking news. Uh, Amanda came running up here to me. Sharon will remember this, but I did an article on the Winfield Warrior. 
the 2018 World Outlaws late model champion, Mike Marler, <laughs> is going to return to NASCAR's top three series. For the truck series, he will be running, let me get this here, uh, whoop, the number 56 Chevrolet Silverado. And in that same weekend, he will be making his Cup Series debut, driving the MBM Motorsports number 66 entry. Wow. So here's, here's where my counter is. By the Cup drivers coming down, so many of them for this event, the dirt races are one of those that opens that door of opportunity for new drivers such as the Winfield Warrior, Mike Marler, to come in and show <laughs> what they got. Okay, so he raced uh, before. When did he race before in the Truck Series, Jay? He, ra- he ran the Eldora. Yeah, he ran the Eldora race, and he did have a couple of asphalt races that uh, he was slotted to make uh, start, but wasn't able to for various different reasons. And how did he finish in that race? Do you remember? Uh, I bel- I want to say eighth. I don't have the stats. I know it was one where he. Showed why he's a dirt driver. He ran to the front, but then also had uh, got a little loose, had jumped the cushion, had to go to the back and fought his way back up. Uh, I believe it was a top okay. 10 finish. Okay. So I, I do that just to kind of get some perspective uh, about Mike Marler here. So, Owen, your follow-up comments. I think it was interesting making the comment about uh, – just the new drivers that it's bringing in because I was looking at some of the other names and one that stood out to me was Jessica Friesen making her debut in the number 62 truck because they're going to be the first, her and Stuart Friesen are going to be the first husband and wife duo to ever race in the same race. And that is another milestone that I can't say I saw coming in 2021, but (laughs) they're achieving it. And then I think the other names were uh, Chris Windham driving the 15 in the Cup Series and Shane Golubic in the 78 for the Cup Series. So you're right. It's definitely going to bring a lot of different names to the uh, truck and Cup Series. And it's a unique environment that's going to bring some interesting racing. Like Sharon said, I'm interested to see how the dirt gets maintained. I remember hearing that on one of the broadcasts this weekend, they were saying with the amount of races there, over the course of that week, there's going to be over 1,400 cars running on it. And a lot of them were saying that the dirt's probably going to be pretty much packed down by the time the trucks and the Cup Series actually get on it on the weekend. So it's going to be intriguing to see how much of a dirt race it really is or whether it's packed down to the point where they can basically drive on it. Okay. Tommy, your follow-up. Uh, I was just going to bring up uh, Jessica Friesen uh, doing it. That's that's awesome that her and her husband are going to be out there racing. And that's a, that's another girl on the track with Haley um, Deegan. And I'm ready for that Bristol dirt race. There's so many people in that race now with Truex, Bush, Harvick, um, Haley Deegan, Sheldon Creed, Brett Moffat. I mean, it's that's that's going to be an awesome race. I'm looking really forward to really looking forward to that. And then that guy that's going to be in the 15 for NBM, um, I believe Christopher Bell brought him up in one of his articles that I read. So uh, the cup guys getting some normal dirt racers is awesome. Um, maybe they'll compete up there for some wins or a win, and maybe they'll compete in those heat races too for a nice starting position. Yes, indeed. You guys bring up some really great points. 
uh, with the other drivers that are coming into this race as well. Uh, it is going to be fun to watch, and and uh, I wonder if that dirt gets packed down and with the banking that's there. Man, it's it's going to be an interesting race. I'll just say that. It's, I, I just am very curious to see how this all plays out. So uh, uh, it, I'm looking forward to it. I like the idea we're going to see new people out there on the track. We're going to see the veterans from the Cup Series out there on the track and uh, our our regular truck series drivers that are really good on dirt like Sheldon Creed and Haley Deegan. You're right. Uh, thanks for bringing that up too, because these guys are good on dirt and uh, it's going to be fun to see what they're able to do uh, at this Bristol race. So I think we've got a lot to look forward to. And uh, uh, I think there's going to be a lot of eyes on that race. And uh, I like the idea that they're bringing new eyes to the uh, event as well. So Jay, you get the final word. Well, and, and that is, like I said, I, I still do like cup guys there. That does bring the eyes, but so does the new new drivers. And you guys brought up some several great ones. Uh, I knew I'd read uh, the one on Jessica Friesen. Uh, Chris Wyndham was not one I had, had seen as far as looking at the entry list. Um, so I, I like that mix. Like I said, We've seen it in the past. I believe it, what it, we talked about it the other night. I believe it was the Daytona road course the, that they had that NASCAR restricted them from participating in another series uh, to include even not NASCAR but the uh, IMSA series or didn't have approval. I don't remember how that all played out. Um, as to why they didn't maybe do that for this dirt race for that same reason, and we mentioned Coda as Kevin Harvick. That's one of the ones Kevin Harvick is going to do on the Xfinity side. Um, because it does give that other opportunity, and I know NASCAR wants to keep it kind of on that level playing field. Now, this weekend coming up, I know several of the drivers are going to late models uh, at the Bristol race, and hopefully Amanda and I may be attending that. So you'll hear more about that uh, following. If I do, I'm sure you will hear about it. But So I know Brad Keselowski also, I believe, ran in a late model at Cochrane Motor Speedway over in Georgia this past weekend. I didn't get a chance to uh, follow up on that of, of how he finished. But that I just don't want to see that door get closed or these guys that are looking for that opportunity to get pushed out. And to follow up with uh, Sharon Assam, a couple things there. I got so excited I didn't even read finish reading. Um, it was 2019. Marler finished inside the top five at the Eldora Dirt Derby for the Reum Brothers Racing number 33, and he did get one Xfinity start at Richmond uh, being caught up in an early accident. I do remember that now. So he did get one, uh, one more start. But that's their opportunity, like I said, to, to showcase their talent coming from the dirt side. So I just don't want to see that taken away by multiple cup drivers. I'm not against them making that start. I kind of, I know we talked about this, wonder why NASCAR didn't restrict it like they did the road course. I don't know what their thought process was there. Um, one final thing before I'll go on all night. You're talking about the dirt getting packed down. If you're not a dirt track fan, that is called getting dry slick. Once you get to a certain point mm -hmm. and a certain amount of rubber laid in, it looks like it is asphalt. And you go out on the track afterwards, I mean, it really does look almost like tar. Uh Good example, just to throw it out there, Magnolia Motor Speedway here in Columbus, Mississippi is known as the home of the black eyes for a reason. 
That's what I think. It's going to be very slippery. Okay. Um, okay, that, we'll let that be the final word there. Uh, I'm going to bring up a topic here, and uh, it actually was brought up by uh, Jay on our uh, Hot Topics channel, and uh, that is we talked about Cindric uh, winning this weekend at Phoenix. That's where they're going to be racing the championship uh, in November. So this was kind of a preview of what the drivers can do out there. So And, and not just Cindric, but for the other drivers in, in the Cup Series as well. Um, so who are the drivers uh, that we're going to be – Who's going to contend with Cendric at Phoenix? And then let's make that uh, for the Cup Series as well. Who are going to be the contenders at uh, Phoenix uh, in both of those series? So, Tommy, we'll start with you. So, in the Xfinity Series, I think I've got to go with Cendric's competition so far. And probably later on down the line will be AJ um, Allmendinger. Uh, He looked really good at Vegas, and he... At the beginning of the race yesterday or Saturday, was complaining about how bad the car was, and then he had it running up there in the top ten and five at one point. So I would definitely say he's he's going to be uh, back for sure. And then Brandon Jones and Daniel Hemrick have been running in the top five and ten, but they seem to get up caught up in wrecks or the last last two races. I think both of them been caught up in wrecks or one of them has, uh, but um. They look good so far. They look pretty solid. Uh, as for the Cup Series, uh, I think that Chase Elliott and Joey Logano and Kevin Harvick was back. They all looked really good at Brad Keselowski. So <laughs> the normal people at Phoenix, I feel like uh, whoever's formerly won that won there just seems to always run up the front there and be dominant. So those will be the people that will probably be competing in November there at the end, the, the usual suspects. Okay. Jay, who who are your thoughts? All right. Well, on the Xfinity side, uh, you know, Tom, Tommy hit the, hit the couple there that I think you got to look at. Uh, Daniel Hemrick and Brandon Jones from the Joe Gibbs stable. A.J. Allmendinger, but I also think you got to throw in there Jeb Burton. I mean, just with, with how strong we have seen him um, in his few starts, and we saw what he could do last year with Junior Motorsports. Uh, so, and I think College Racing really is on the rise as far as an organization. You know, I talked about that earlier during, during the review of the weekend. The ones I think that we're going to have to wait and see and I will say this, and I, I'm trying to decide how to say this, uh, not just because he's the defending champion, the organization he's with with Penske, but the rest of these guys got to get where they're being consistent and not having these hiccups or problems. Because uh, right now Austin Sindrick is firing on nine, if not all eight <laughs> cylinders. These other guys, you know, are barely hitting the eight, I think. But, you know, we're only five races in. So I would agree, Daniel Hammock, Jeb Burton, uh, A.J. Allmendinger, Harrison Burton, we we expected so much. Again, this is one of those last year as a rookie come out win two of the first four races, I believe, kind of tapered off. And we haven't seen that that kind of strength out of him uh, so far this year. But then you throw in those questions that Myatt Schneider, full-time ride with Richard Childress racing this year. Uh, 
Mike's not here, so Noah Gregson, I mean, he has been running so <laughs> strong, he is not getting those finishes, and that's, I mean, that's obviously a key. You've got to be able to finish. So right now there are several possibilities, but they got to be able to complete it. You know, I think that's the key factor right now. On the cup oh, okay. side, oh, oh, sorry. As you say, yeah, no. On the on the cup side, with what we've seen so far to start this season, I got to throw up my hands. I mean, we haven't seen anybody. I guess maybe Joey Logano is one of the the most consistent week in and week out, uh, and doesn't have a win yet. Uh, I kind of think Kyle Larson is is a dark horse that he, the way he has meshed with. Um, Hendrick Motorsports there, I really think he is going to be, and I know it used to be if he could get to Miami, he'd win it because that was a good track for him. We saw him run good there at Phoenix. And so far, I think he's kind of, even with his win, flown under the radar week in and week out. So I think that's one that I I, I certainly want to keep my eye on. But until we see somebody else establish themselves week in and week out, uh, you got to give the nod, obviously, again, kind of Chase Elliott. We've seen he's still running strong, Hendrick Motorsports. But any one of them, they're they're all, you know, and I, I'm looking to do an article on that, how far we see different winners. So you got to look at how how well they're running week in and week out. And right now we have so many, uh, especially some new ones. Uh, we talk about Christopher Bell, William Byron. So you can't count them out because it, they weren't a flash in the pan, won a race, and disappeared. They're there week in and week out. I think the Cup Series is very, very wide open. Okay, Owen, your thoughts? Uh, yeah, in the Xfinity Series, I think this year's series is going to be, well, already it looks a lot deeper in terms of competition than last year. Uh, last year, all year, it felt like there were maybe five, maybe six cars that actually had a shot at the title. This year, I still think Cindric is probably a tier ahead of everybody, but there are a good nine, ten, maybe even 11 cars that have at least an outside shot at winning a championship. And one name I was surprised not to hear yet was Justin Haley. Um, A lot of people forget that he actually was in the championship for last year, and I do think he's going to need to get better at mile and a half, at short track, if he wants to contend for a championship. But he's so good on super speedways, he's going to find a way to win a race or two this year. And like we already said, college racing's been improving a lot, Um, and he seems to get forgotten about almost as a third driver there. But he's just as consistent as Allmendinger and Burton for the most part. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him back in the championship four. Uh, on the cup side, I was looking at some analytics earlier. As you guys know, I'm a very analytical person. So I was looking at some season-long loop data. And I think the top four drivers in driver rating right now are Hamlin, Larson, Logano, and Keselowski. And even from watching the races, those four cars have just seemed a tier ahead of everybody else. I think the second tier in my eyes right now would be the 19, the 9, the 4, and probably the 20 and 24. I think any of those nine could be legitimate threats. And then obviously there are certain guys, you know, Kyle Busch, Ryan Blaney, even Kurt Busch, who just aren't off the tremendous starts, but... They could always find their way up there. Honestly, though, right now, I'm going to say Hamlin's my favorite. He doesn't have a win, but he's been extremely consistent. He always seems to find ways to get points when it matters, and he's up front a lot. Um, I think this is finally his year to win a championship. Okay. 
Okay, you guys all make some very uh, good arguments here about who this Final Four is going to be, and and I like what everybody is saying. I, in the Xfinity Series, Austin Sendrick, Daniel Hemrick, A.J. Allmendinger, uh, Brandon Jones, and to throw in Jeff Burton, I, I agree with all that. Maybe Harrison Burton. But here's the thing that I think we've got to kind of keep in mind is that um, I really think that some of these drivers that aren't performing right now, I think as the season progresses, we're going to see them performing in the second half of the season. So after 13 races in, I think we might have to reevaluate that and look at who's starting to kind of um, get things going for their season because I do think that we're going to see that happen uh, with some of these drivers that are having a rough start. Noah Gregson might be one of those guys. Uh, and I say might be because Noah's got to kind of get past himself, if you will, a little bit. If he can get kind of past himself and kind of uh, stop shooting himself in the foot, then I think that he might be able to kind of be up there racing with everybody. Uh, but I think that's what makes it so hard to predict that at this point of the game. But I, I agree with you guys. There's so many drivers. Maya Snyder could come on as the season progresses. Um, and I, ju- I, I just think that uh, we're looking at it now with just, what, five races in for the Xfinity Series. Uh, and I, I think there's still some more racing to do for us to determine it. And it's even worse. I think in the uh, Cup Series, but you you bring up uh, some good points, Owen, with the stats part of this, uh, with Denny Hamlin, Brad Keselowski, uh, Joey Logano, and Kyle Larson. I think Kyle Larson uh, is definitely going to be there. I think he's going to surprise a lot of people this year and uh, uh, have some more wins in his future. Uh, but then there's other drivers uh, that you guys all brought up that could you know, they're not running good now, but maybe by the second half of the season, we're going to see him uh, starting to peak. We always, I always thought about Kevin Harvick last year, and, and Jay, you'll remember this. Last year, I kept saying he's got all those wins, but how long can he sustain that kind of momentum into the playoffs? And it turned out that he wasn't even in the Final Four. So, I use him as an example of exactly what I'm talking about. Um, So I I do think that a lot of these guys that are doing well statistically will probably continue to do that, but I think they're going to have some competition. And it's going to be fun to see where, how that cream rises as this season progresses. Uh, and uh, I'm kind of looking forward to it. I, I have to put Martin Truex in that group, too, especially with the fact that he won this weekend, the first time ever he won at Phoenix. Um, but can he get his season going uh, uh, to where he's uh, winning more than just Phoenix? And I think that he can. I think he's another one that's going to come through. So, uh, Tommy, what's your follow-up here? Oh, well, I was going to bring up um, Justin Haley and Justin Allgaier and Noah Graxon. Um Allgaier was up there in Phoenix this weekend, so he he looked good. But that's a good track for him, too. He's won there a couple of times. So, um, but maybe he's back on track now. 
and Graxon is actually he he's running up front pretty consistently. He just needs to get some finishes, but I think that he could be a contender as well. Uh, Harrison Burton needs to get turned around. I'm sure he will, but he'll he'll be up there. And then Riley Earps wasn't brought back up, but he needs to get turned yeah, around. No, and, then, and then of course Ty Dillon as well. Um, maybe he could get some some of the results that Ty Gibbs is getting out of the car eventually. But of course he's not competing for a championship. But he still needs to perform a little bit better. And then uh, in the Cup Series, yeah, Truex won this weekend. So he's when it comes to Phoenix, I feel like all the guys that run up front there and win are the ones that usually are up front always. And and Hamlin, maybe he will break through finally and win. He was close last year. He hasn't won yet this year. I'm sure he will. And we're going to Atlanta next week. So Harvick, that's a good track for him. Sure, I'm sure we'll see him in the victory lane again. Maybe he'll even do the burnout again with the with his three fingers out. Okay, Jay, your follow up. Are you on mute, or did I lose Jay? <laughs> okay, Jay, we did lose Jay, so he won't be able to call back in. Uh, so Owen, we'll go to you. Let me see if I can see his comments here. Yeah, I think um, another name that I hesitate to even bring this up because he's such a long shot, but I'm just looking at the standings, and it's a name that stands out right now is Brandon Brown in the 68. He finished third this weekend at Phoenix. Um, I'm not saying I think he's going to run for a championship or anything, but he's, I mean, he was in the playoffs last year, and I think we saw it with Ryan Sieg in the 39. Uh, He got additional support. From I don't remember which team it was, but I know he got additional playoff support last year from a bigger team, getting more powerful engines with the hope of chasing a championship. So I think Brown and also the 51 of Jeremy Clements can be two cars that would look to do that if they squeak their way in. They're currently ninth and 10th, and obviously Clements is a good road course racer, so we could see him get a win at some point this season. That's not totally out of the picture. And in the Cup Series, I hesitate, to, I hesitate to discount Kyle Busch. I feel like throwing his name off the cliff in terms of championship contenders is never a good idea because he always seems to figure things out down the stretch. And uh, last year obviously wasn't his ideal season. It appears that he struggles a little bit with the shortened race weekend. But I have to believe that he's going to figure it out eventually. He's one of the most adaptable drivers we've ever seen. So... Uh, I'm I'm sure Kyle will be at least in the round of eight this year. I wouldn't be surprised to see him make another run. Okay. Yeah, I, I agree with you guys. You bring up some uh, great drivers that could come out in the, in this uh, later part of the season. And um, uh, I, you know, let me kind of throw out uh, Chris Busher in that group too, or, or even Ricky Stenhouse Jr., uh, those guys seem to be Rush Fenway Racing is showing some glimmers of hope, and uh, I think that some of them might end up having a better second half of the season uh, than the first half of the season. William Byron could be another driver uh, that comes on strong. He's already again showing some glimmers there. Um, Austin Dillon, I think, 
is probably having one of his better seasons as well. Uh, and and I know some of that seems like a little bit of pie in the sky, possibly to be the final four. But again, there's a lot of uh, things going on here that could change things up. And I'll tell you what, that Bristol dirt race is maybe one of them where we're going to see some uh, different things going on. So uh, I do think that um, uh, we, we're going to be in for some surprises. Uh, one thing I want to point out about Kyle Larson at Phoenix Raceway, how many times did he come from the back and race back to the front? Um, so I think that shows some really uh, big strength uh, for Kyle Larson, and I definitely think he's going to be in that Final Four group. Um, so, again, I, I don't have a lot to add to what you guys have already said, um, but... Uh, Alex Pullman is another one that I think could really come on strong in the second half. So we'll have to wait and see. Uh, but I think this is a topic that maybe we'll come back to uh, mid-season and, and talk about this one again. Okay, or even uh, at the end of the regular season. Okay, um, let's go ahead and do our roundtable at this point. Jay's not here to kick it off for us. Uh, but I think both of you guys have been through this once before. So, uh, Tommy, we'll go ahead and start with you. Are you on social media yet? Uh, still working on that. And um, I'll have an article coming out about the Bristol Dirt Race um, yeah. soon. Yeah, no, thanks for having me on the show. Okay, well, okay, we'll get that Bristol Dirt race out after the Atlanta race. Uh, but, yeah, definitely looking forward to having that out on fanforacing.com. Owen, you're up next. Yeah, you can follow me on Instagram at Stewart with an underscore at the end. And I'll have my power rankings coming out tomorrow. And then, of course, my cashier pass where you can decide who you want to throw some money on in the next race. Uh, I will throw a disclaimer out. I don't guarantee accuracy. However, I do my best. Uh, and again, thanks for having me back on the show. Okay. Well, we, we enjoyed having both of you back on the show. I know Thursday night, um, Andy will be there. And Tommy, I think you're coming back for Thursday night's show as well, right? Yes, I'll be back. Look forward to it. Okay, and of course, Jay will be there as well. So I am Fan for Racing site on Twitter and Fan for Racing blog and radio elsewhere. Uh, we put up some articles uh, today. Uh, of course, we had Sam's uh, recap of the Phoenix race, uh, and that was pretty good. Uh, I also put up an article about Bill Lester. He was our guest on the earlier part of the show. I was having such a good time talking with him. He has some, I did get a chance. I read all 300 pages today of his book, and uh, I really highly recommend everybody get it uh, because no matter what your passion is, he gives some excellent advice of things that he's learned on his journey and through his passion for NASCAR racing. And uh, I really enjoyed reading it and getting to know Bill Lester as a person 
in uh, the stories that he tells throughout that book. Uh, he'll be racing this weekend at Atlanta Motor Speedway in the number 17 for David Gilliland Racing, so you'll want to definitely uh, check that out. Uh, and uh, there is a link on the article about him uh, to how you can get his book. He's also It's also available at his website, BillLester.com, but you can also get it on uh, Amazon, and I have that link in the article. Um, also, um, this week we've got Owen's articles that he just talked about, and I know Jay's been working on something as well, and Andy was working on something. So we might have a few articles coming out on fanforacing.com this weekend. A big shout-out to our listeners. We appreciate everybody tuning in uh, to hear what we have to say. We have a lot of fun doing this, and we hope you enjoy it as much as we do. And uh, we will be back on air this Thursday night. Uh, for the preview show, and again, we have Max Gutierrez coming on the show with us at 8.40 p.m. Uh, to talk about his win at uh, New Smyrna and uh, his thoughts about the uh, season this year uh, racing in the Arkham Knight Series. So uh, looking forward to that as well. So with that, I think we're ready to say goodnight, guys. Okay, I don't know if they're still here, uh, but you can say good night, and uh, we'll see you on the other side. We'll see you on Thursday night. And uh, Owen, thanks for being here. We'll see you next Monday. Yep, I'm excited. Okay.